is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. Welcome, 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 welcome to a new show of the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. 631-672-3108 is the number. As everybody knows, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hashtag, well, hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag ban the beef. It seems like everybody is posting that all over social media. And on our feed right here as Ben Snug. And everybody just seems Jeff will to be joining soon, probably. Ranking on the bad news beef. By the way, I went to <laughs> That's his a good nickname, of, too. I went to his uh, Fourth of July party yesterday. Uh-huh. It was, uh, his family's awesome. He has a great, great family. So, uh, shout out to the Beef family, or aka the Eilers family. Uh, fantastic, it's fantastic people. Fantastic people. Uh, Blown out of the water. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we have a great show lined up for you guys a little bit later. Uh, we will be talking to, uh, I guess it's 12-year MLB catcher and West Michigan's Whitecaps manager, uh, Brian Brian Pena. Okay, mm-hmm. why, did you, why did you spell it differently? I, I it, know that, it's that's Brian. How it's, that's how it's spelled. Who cares? Yeah. It's Brian. It doesn't matter. Uh, Brian Pena, at 1030, we'll be talking to author of The Min Rage Theory and the athletic NBA analyst, Seth Part now, right? Yep. I've got it right. There we go. We spelt his name a little bit wrong, but uh, there you go. Uh, so we'll have both guys on a little bit later in the show at 930. So uh, that'll be coming up very, very soon. We will get into the Kevin Durant situation. It seems like there are two teams that are reaching out heavily to the Brooklyn Nets, and that is the Miami Heat and the Golden State Warriors, the champion Golden State Warriors reaching out. Uh, Kevin Durant should have never left the Golden State Warriors, but it seems like he might be heading back there. So we will get into that. Uh, we'll get into the Knicks. What's next after Brunson? Is Donovan Mitchell staying in Utah, or uh, is he going to go somewhere else? And it could be the New York Knicks. They are a team of his uh, pick, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's happening anytime soon. So uh, as you heard Danny Ainge the other day say that they're building around Donovan Mitchell's, but Anything's possible, and that's just a ploy to try to get as much as you possibly can from all the teams that he's interested in going to. So we'll see what happens. The Lakers still interested in Kyrie Irving. Don't want to trade Anthony Davis. Not surprised uh, for Kevin Durant. But Anthony Davis is a guy that hasn't been healthy for the last couple of years. Uh, I would like to see him at full, you know, full health with LeBron James and maybe at Kyrie Irving. I mean, you have a, a a trio over there that we haven't seen in a very long time. And I think uh, you have obviously Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kyrie. It's kind of like the same thing as Bosch and Wade and mm-hmm. and Kevin Love and Kyrie over there in Cleveland. I think this might be 
a better three, if you really look at but it. But also a more dramatic three. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it'll be very interesting to see. And, and by the way, the Brooklyn Nets are pr- pretty much very much interested in moving on from Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. And, and the only team that they're interested in possibly trading him to uh, is the Lakers. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see in the last – well, in the next couple of weeks where uh, Kyrie Irving could go if he gets traded. Uh, NBA free agency and trade recap. We'll get into that. Uh, the Yankees interested in trading another outfielder. Eyeing Andrew Benatendi. I, I've been saying this for the last past couple of months. That Andrew Benatendi has been on their radar from, from really before the season even started. So they really like him. They think he fits in Yankee Stadium outfield. Uh, they could put him in right. They could put him left. And maybe even sometimes in center. So I imagine him and Judge will platoon in center a lot of the time. Because yeah. he kind of just started playing center field like Judge did a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, A-Rod says the Yankees have 50-50 shot to re-sign Judge. Uh, we will get into A-Rod's big mouth. I mean, who cares what A-Rod says? I, it's interesting because Alex Rodriguez, I respect, but when he speaks about the Yankees, we all know he roots on the Yankees. He's a oh, Yankee yeah. fan. So, obviously, he's going to speak out and say the Yankees are a 50-50. I think the Yankees have a, a 70-30 chance of landing Aaron Judge. I don't think the Yankees are going to get him because – this is, a, this is a man that wants a lot of money. He wants to be the highest paid everyday player in Major League history. And he, he's probably going to get a seven, eight-year deal. I think that the lead team that's going to get him is San Francisco. That's his hometown. That's what he grew up rooting for. Um, and uh, they have a lot of money. And, and they're going to have enough money to make a move for him in the offseason. He could be a $300 million player for them. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, Posey's no longer there. So it, it's a new era. And why not the Aaron Judge era over there in San Francisco? But I, I think it's a 70-30 chance. I think the Yankees have a 30% chance of getting him back. I, I just I don't see it happening. I, I can't see the Yankees giving him more than 230. I think they offered him 213. They might offer him another 18, 19 million. Right. There are other teams that are going to overpay for Aaron Judge to come to their yeah. team. They're so. probably going to have to get to at least 250 to have any chance. I don't think they have a chance. Um and the Seahawks not strongly in on the Baker Mayfield uh, Baker Mayfield sweepstakes. So, uh it will be very interesting interesting to see where Baker Mayfield goes and I'll tell you why a little bit later in the show. But why don't we get into the KD? But before we do that, I want to give out. Uh, I want to give a shout out and uh, my condolences to the families uh, in that mass shooting in Highland Park, Illinois. This has been going on for years. Innocent children, innocent people getting murdered. It's a horrible thing. It really is. And you think back of all the different things that have happened from so many different school districts. the uh, What is it? Parkland over there in Florida. Yep. And it, just disgusting things. The movie theater. The shooting in a movie theater. I, I forget where that was. But it, it's just a horrible, horrible thing when you see these stories. And these stories slowly but surely come out. And you see how many innocent kids and innocent teachers, innocent people getting murdered. Because of some crazy lunatic. I grew up, again, 20, 25 minutes away from Sandy Hook when that happened. I was in high school when that happened. All of them now are just so sickening how many of them there are. And it's absolutely disgusting. So it's. I want to give a shout out and uh, my condolences, condolences to the families that lost their loved ones. So um, it's, it's a horrible thing. It really is. And uh, 
you know, I, I, there's nothing more I can say about it. it, it it's just disgusting. It's, it, it's, it's a disgusting world, and I, I don't understand why these new laws, these gun laws are coming out. It, it, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. First of all, every single security guard in that, any school district or any hospital or any public area should be carrying a gun. Should be carrying a gun and protecting whatever they're security guarding. There's no reason why a, a security guard in a school district does not have a gun. Especially with all this stuff is going on. So it, it's just a horrible thing. And, and I, I just, I, I could sit here all the whole show talking about this and trying to figure out laws and, and ha- the penalties of, uh, of what people, are, ha- what they should be carrying, what they shouldn't be carrying. And it, it's just, it, it's just, it's horrible. And these, these young 16, 15, or even 14 year olds taking their parents' gun, they're fully loaded. Who leaves a, you know, guns fully loaded in their house, shotguns? You know, it, it just, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. I, I just, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Let's get into the KD situation because it seems like this has been a story all weekend. And Miami and Golden State seem like the, the two teams that are the lead go-getters of Kevin Durant. Now, I sit here today and I look at Kevin Durant and I think Kevin Durant is still a sensational player. He's he's thirty. It's going to be thirty-five, I think, this year, this coming season. I, I think he's thirty-four right now as we speak. He is a fantastic talent, and before he got hurt this year, he was an MVP candidate. He really was. And and anybody that argues that obviously has not watched enough of Kevin Durant to see what he's capable of being and capable of doing on a basketball court. But these trades. The Bam out of bios, the Tyler heroes, and all these draft picks that seem uh, to be added in, in, you know, in trying to conclude this trade to happen. Because the conclusion to this is, is it going to happen or is it not? And to me, I think the only teams that could afford or he'd be interested in going to are championship competitive teams. Now, you heard... Before this trade rumor, obviously when he said he wanted to be traded, the trade rumors were he wanted to go to Phoenix and he wanted to go to Miami. Now Miami, they're way over the salary cap. After giving Kyle Lowry the money that they gave him in the offseason, uh, Bam Adebayo is making $190 million. I mean, it, it, you have Jimmy Butler making about $190 million. All these guys, I mean, they're highly overpaid over there in Miami. And Pat Riley... And I, I will say this. Pat Riley is probably the best vice president, president, or whatever you want to call him, GM in basketball. Everybody wants to play for him. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. Now you, everybody thought after those three guys retired and they left, this team was going to be completely torched for the next five to ten years. Wrong again. Because Pat Riley, you know, it took him like a year, year and a half, and he, re- he rebuilt his team. He drafted Tyler Hero. Slowly started building around the draft. And then Jimmy Butler became available in, in free agency. They brought in Jimmy Butler. They drafted right. They brought in Bam Adebayo. I mean, all these different guys that they brought in, it started to fit what Pat Riley has always tried to build his teams around. If you look at the Knicks of the 90s, his big man, 
I mean, obviously, Patrick Ewing was a good defensive player. Not a great defensive player, but an offensive talent. A guy that was great in the paint, great in the perimeter, fadeaway jumpers. Very athletic. And he always had shooters around the perimeter. John Starks. If you go through it, I, I could go through all the teams, uh, the players. Uh, Ronaldo, Bla- Ronaldo Blackman. If we go back in the time, and he, he always had these big bodies like Anthony Davis. I mean, Anthony Mason and, and Charles Oakley. And now you see this Miami team. You kind of you know match out these teams that he has obviously run over the years and, and built. Even the, the Showtime Lakers. And he didn't build that team. But those teams were built around big bodies, good shooting on the perimeter, and obviously a great, uh, a great play, well, three great players in James Worthy, Magic Johnson, and you know the other guy, Speedy. Kareem. So it's, to me, he's always built his teams around three talented players or two talented players. Even when they won the championship with Shaquille O'Neal and Dwayne Wade, they had players you know, that could play, you know, the, the, the third type of, you know, the, the bench players, the guys that are off the bench, very talented. You look at the KD situation, you're hearing more and more the Golden State Warriors now. And now you're hearing possibly Paul Wiseman and Wiggins involved in a trade that would send Ben Simmons, I mean, uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, not Ben Simmons, um, Kevin Durant. Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant to Golden State. Now, Ben Simmons is going to be the add-on. Mm-hmm. But, again, that's not the only, the only pieces that they're going to get. They're going to get two other players. I don't know the other two players. And they're going to get at least two or three first-round draft picks from Golden State, which are not going to be lottery picks, as we no. know. We look at this possible move for the the Brooklyn Nets. This will define Sean Marks. This move will either make or break Sean Marks. It It might get him fired or it might help him build this team into a young, talented team that he already had with Karis LeVert and Allen and Spencer Dinwiddie. Well, that's why they're going to need the players because they, the Warriors have a couple of young players, but not a tremendous amount because they lost some in free agency too. So they're going to have to get as many as possible from them if they're going to make that kind of trade. Now, it'll be interesting to see how Golden State would value Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is a really bad contract, but he's a defensive player that could help them and help them on the perimeter, help them with size inside, especially if they do end up trading Wiseman, which they're going to have to if they want to make that trade. And, and Snug saying fake news. No, it's not fake news because – Actually, they are interested in making a move for Ben Simmons. And it, I, I don't know the other two players that are going to be involved, but the contracts fit. It works. So the way they were setting it up and the news that was coming out is that Ben Simmons would be involved with the trade. Steph Curry and Ben Simmons are very good friends. They actually train in the offseason. Go look it up if you think this is a story. KD, Ben Simmons would be traded for five guys. And two to three first-round draft picks. And it'll all match the contracts and everything. Now, I don't know. To me, it makes sense for Golden State because Golden State's trying to be the dominant force in the NBA for the next two or three years. If they get 
obviously Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green, they're going to win another one or two titles. Who's going to beat them? Even if Kyrie goes to the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, as good as they are on paper, they're not beating the Golden State Warriors. They're just not. Now, if he gets traded to Miami, which a lot of people believe that Pat Riley will do anything to make this move, and as as he, as well as he should, because if you add Kevin Durant to that Miami Heat team with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, I don't know how that would work, but if you can keep Bam Adebayo, I mean, you're the most dominant team in the Eastern Conference. As good and as young as the Celtics are, as good as the Milwaukee Bucks are, as good and young as the Chicago Bulls are. The more dominant team, and who's the number one seed this year in the Eastern Conference? Mm-hmm. Miami. You add Kevin Durant to that team, not only are they the best in the East, they might be the best in all of basketball. You're talking about a Miami team, too, that when they struggled in the playoffs, most of it was offense, too. When they, they Especially against the Celtics. I'm granted they have the number one defense, the Celtics. Understandable. But... Still, Miami even had those bad games a couple games against Philly as well. And when they had one guy that was only shooting or one guy that was only scoring well and everyone else went cold, that was why they were losing games. If you get somebody like Kevin Durant, unless he plays as like he did against the Celtics in the playoffs this year, then you're going to get a guy that is going to be what Miami needs to be the best team in the league, for sure, I would say so. I think Miami is is a better fit for Kevin Durant because I think Kevin Durant wants to stay in the Eastern Conference. He can dominate more in Eastern Conference. With the West, if Kyrie Irving goes to the Lakers, then you got to contend with the Lakers, you know, for the next two or three years. Right. And, and the Lakers still have a, a LeBron James who's still at the top of his game. Anybody that doesn't think. And if, if obviously, Anthony Davis could stay healthy, and that's that's the question. If he can stay healthy, the Lakers are a pretty good dominant force. And the Phoenix Suns will still be good. Uh, they'll still have salary room, even though they actually overpaid Devin Booker in the, uh, this off uh, this weekend. I mean, I think he got a two hundred four years, two twenty four, yeah, two twenty four million dollar, two hundred twenty four million dollar contract. So uh, he's going nowhere. So everybody that thought, including me, that thought Devin Booker might want to look uh, elsewhere after Chris Paul retires, and now DeAndre Ayton seems like he's not staying with them. No, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what what this Phoenix Suns going to be. When Chris Paul starts to disintegrate and eventually uh, decides to retire. Yeah, especially if they have to lose more pieces, too, because DeAndre Ayton isn't the only young player that's going to have to be paid. Miles, uh, Mikael Bridges is going to have to be paid soon, too. You got uh, Cam Johnson, who's a good shooter off the bench, that's going to have to be paid. They traded a couple of their other uh, draft picks that they drafted recently. Wiggins is in the trade, Jeff. Yeah, yeah no, I, I mentioned that to him in the comments section. Yes, said, yes. He, he's absolutely in the trade. It's mm-hmm. The three guys that are in the Golden State rumor trade is... Poole, Wiseman, and Wiggins. Those are the three lead guys for, uh, obviously, Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons. Now, they're they're trying – the Nets are trying so hard to get rid of Ben Simmons' contract, but nobody's going to take it. But right. the whole connection – the whole connection with uh, Steph Curry and Ben Simmons, it might happen because we all knew that uh, Dame really, really liked Ben Simmons too, and they trained together in the offseason too. So – I. That could be a good fit too if he decides if they decide to move move him somewhere else. Maybe trade him to Portland. And and he also wants 
Dame also has said he wanted to play with Kevin Durant, too. So maybe they trade both of them to Portland. Now, I don't know if the Blazers have necessarily the young talent like the Warriors do to be able to get back in the trade. But if it comes to the point where they don't have any, any other options because either they don't want to trade, either teams don't want to take on Ben Simmons or trade that much in order to get him, then the Blazers might be the last one left in order to make that work. Because, again, they, they got some good pieces from McCollum in that trade, but that's really all they have going for them right now with their new GM. It seems like Ben Simmons is going just as much as Kevin Durant and Kyrie is going. Yeah. I, I, if they get rid of Kyrie and Kevin, why are they going to keep Ben? Okay, because Ben is just – nobody wants to play with Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And are you building your team around Ben Simmons? I mean, honestly, it doesn't make any sense. And that's why Sean Marks gotta, has to make sure that he is going to get the most out of Kevin Durant in that trade. And Kevin Durant is definitely going. Everything that I've read, I, I thought it was a little crazy – uh, you know, when I heard it last week that Kevin Durant wants to be traded, and I, 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 I really thought that Sean Marks was going to sit down with Kyrie and Kevin and try to talk them into playing another season together because they both opted into their contract. And, and Kyrie's there for another year for $36.5 million. But everything that I've read this weekend and all these analysts and everybody, Kevin Durant wants out, and he wants out soon. So they got to figure out very, very soon where they're going to send Kevin Durant and where it makes a lot of sense. It looks like we got Jeff on the phone for a little bit. What's up, Jeff? You do realize that trade is impossible and can't happen, right? Why is that? Ben Simmons, max contract. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, max contract. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry, max contract. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson, max contract. Mm-hmm. You're only allowed three. Here's the thing. And I, I again, I know Wiggins, I know Paul and Wiseman. There were two other players involved. It might have been Draymond Green. Of, probably, yeah. Maybe it was Draymond well, Green. Yeah, it would have to be one of them. It, it, and probably one of the first-round picks, either Moody or Kuminga. There were three first-round yeah. draft picks. No, I mean, one of the ones they just drafted, either Kuminga or Moody. They were both top There were three first. No, there were five players involved in this trade. Mm-hmm. But Wiggins, right, right. Poole, and Wiseman were the definite three players that I know of okay. that were involved with gotcha. the trade. I do either think way, Draymond you, Green might be involved with it, too. Either way, the trade is impossible because you can't have Ben Simmons go to. I should find that. I want to find the trade. You can't have Ben Simmons go to the Warriors. It can't happen because you can't have four max contracts. And then the other part of it is because Ben Simmons would be out. Andrew Wiggins can't go the other way. And Andrew Wiggins can't play with Ben Simmons Mm. per league rules. Well, no, I bet Andrew Wiggins would be with the the Nets. He He would be traded with the Nets. I just told you the lead, the three t- three players that I know of that the, they, they were talked in the trade, and there were two other players. I wasn't sure the other two players. It was Wiggins, Poole, and Wiseman going to the Nets, and right. three first round draft picks. That's right. what I heard. I think Draymond Green was the other guy. I'm not sure. I gotta find but the trade. I, I gotta find way, it. But either way, the trade's impossible because Ben Simmons. You can't have four max contracts on a roster. So ben, it's either Ben Simmons or Kevin Durant is going, not both. Well, I'm just telling you what I saw when they were talking about the trade, and it made sense. And the and the contracts, the way they put the contracts together, that it makes sense. All the players that they were right. going to trade, all the players that they were adding on in the in the in the six or seven player trade, uh, it makes sense. The contracts fit. So I I don't know. Listen, it's just a story right now. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen, Jeff. I I, I don't not, know. I, it's, it's a story. Somebody wrote it. So what are you going to tell me? I'm not going to talk about what somebody wrote. But so, it's actually, but it's actually impossible. How is it impossible? If he's if this can't, writer, you can't have, This is why it's impossible because you can't have four max contracts on a team. Mm-hmm. Clay has a max. Steph has a max. KD has a max. Ben Simmons has a max. Can't have four. And 
if Ben Simmons is staying behind, Wiggins still can't be included in that trade because you can't have two players under rookie extensions playing on the same team. Ben Simmons is not going – if they're trading Kyrie Irving and uh, uh, Kevin Durant, they're not keeping Ben Simmons. Everything right. that but, I've read. Right, that's fine. Then, But he would be going to a different team. Fine, maybe it's a three-team trade. All I'm telling you what I read this weekend. An analyst wrote this story and said there were five players involved with the trade and three first-round draft picks. And the Is three guys that... Are you, are you dealing in more rumors? Is this another clown bomb? Listen... Jeff, if you're going to call the show and act like an idiot, don't call the show. I'm not acting like an idiot. I'm, I'm just telling you what I read. I I'm also read. Uh, yeah, well, the, if you don't think Golden State's involved Someone with this. Someone who knows sports should have at least known that you can't have four max contracts on an NBA team. Speedy, just, just hang up the phone the on him. Hang up the phone on him. Hang up throw the phone. The story hang the up the phone on him, shoes. Speedy. Hang up the what phone. Hang up the phone on him. I don't even know why you put him through. He's an idiot. You put him through, he's an idiot, he sits here and he talks, his stupidity, and I, I don't know why he's on. Why call the show if you're going to be stupid? Be normal, call the show and act like a, a normal person. You know who you're going to be? You know who I'm going to I'm going to call him Tyler Harrison Jr. I'm going to call him wow. TJ Jr., okay? TJ Jr., you want to talk about a clown? He's a clown. Anyways, getting back to the Golden State Warriors. I think, I mean, obviously the Golden State Warriors are the big, the big team, the big name that everybody keeps talking about. But I think it makes a lot more sense that he gets traded to Miami. It makes a lot of sense. And, 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 and sitting here with Jeff's talking about these, these the, why would this be brought up? Why would this story be brought up if it didn't make sense? And, and by the way, Ben Simmons, he's a max contract, right? He's max? Yep. He's not a max anymore. He's not a max anymore. He's already – how many years does he have left on his, his contract? Two. Two years. He's not a max contract anymore, you dumb idiot. He was a max contract. He's not anymore. He's got two years left on that contract. How much is it worth, sweetie? It was $150 million over the course of the five years. I'm not sure where it is specifically this year. It's not a max it's contract. It's over $30 million. It's not a max contract anymore. It's not. Speedy, go look at the go check out the contract. It was initially five years, one seventy-seven. Okay, so what averaged, is it now? How it many years left? It averaged thirty-five million a year. How it many? Has, uh, actually, three years. So it's yeah, thirty-five it's million, thirty-five point four million this year. Then thirty-seven point. That's one hundred and five million or something yeah, like that. Thirty-seven point nine. And that's four. not a max contract. No, max is not a max. It's a max contract when it's a five-year extension worth about a two hundred, almost two hundred million dollars. It's not two hundred million dollars anymore, Jeff. It's a hundred and five million. They have to. Am I right or wrong? It has to be in so, somewhere in a sal in a cap, right? It has. To, it has to be over thirty-five million dollars. I think for the. I think for the regular max contract, I think the rookie max contract's a little lower, and then it is, and it's a and it's a five year deal if it's with your current team, or a four year deal if it's with another team. Now he signed that initially with Philly, so that counts as his current team. So they was able to get the extra year out of it. So it, it, again, we sit back and we look at this. It, it's possible to say that it's not possible. That they would probably have to add Draymond Green. Yes, they would probably have to, whatever. And I, I don't care what. 
Jeff says, because Jeff will sit here and attack everybody, but Jeff thinks he knows, just like he thought, you know, last year, Boston, the, everything you heard was Boston this, the Celtics, oh, we're going to have another parade. What happened to your Celtics, Jeff? What happened to your Celtics? Oh, I'm sorry. They got eliminated. They got knocked out by the Golden State Warriors. What about your uh, Boston Red Sox? Oh, they knocked out the Yankees in the wild card game. What happened to them? Uh, before we go to break, uh, Ben's comments. Potential three-team trade that he heard was mm-hmm. Hawks get Ben Simmons, Miles Turner, and Patty Mills. Mm-hmm. The Nets get John Collins, Boyan Bodanovich, Daniel Theis. Mm-hmm. And then the Pacers get Jalen Johnson, Mo Harkless, a 2023 Atlanta pick, a 2023 Nets pick, and a 2028 second pick of the Nets as well. I'm going to – when we go when we go to break and we get our special guest, we get Brian Pignon. After Brian Pena, I'm going to find this article so I could shut – you know, shut Jeff up because he doesn't know anything. He sounds like he knows everything. He doesn't know nothing. And I'm going to pull up the trade, and I, I will get every single player that's involved with the Golden State Warriors. And I guarantee you Ben Simmons was involved with the trade. So it'll shut Jeff up because Jeff doesn't know anything anyways. When we come back, we'll be talk- we will be talking to 12-year MLB catcher and West Michigan Whitecaps manager Brian Pena here. On the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are the Sports Loudmouths. 631 672 3108 is the number. And if it's Jeff, don't answer it, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I don't know, Mike. Uh, Speedy, before we get Brian Pinion, I don't know what is wrong with this guy. I mean, Jeff calls up the show. He thinks he knows everything. And, uh, by the way, our, our guest has a Patriots hat on, so I'm sure he's loving that. But, uh you know, I'm not, but that that's all right. I still like you, Brian. We are now talking to 12-year MLB catcher and West Michigan's White Caps manager, Brian Pena. What's going on, Brian? Hey, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I mean, I know we're trying to, uh, you know, to communicate, but obviously, you know, with our busy schedule and our season. But, uh, you know, it, uh, I really appreciate it, man. I really appreciate, you know, both of you guys, you know, uh, uh, inviting me over and, uh, you know, ready to roll. Ready yeah. to roll. I Thank will you. say this. I, I, I would like to apologize our our, our caller calling up and, and being an idiot. But that's what he is. He is a Boston fan, and he is a Patriot fan, so he probably would love you. He just absolutely despises me. Two guys always comes on our feed and just likes to just absolutely rag on the conversations that we have. But that's what we are here for. We're here for people to have fun with us for the next three hours. Uh, we are not, again. We are talking to 12-year MLB catcher and West Michigan's Whitecaps manager Brian Pena. So, what is it like? I mean, retiring from baseball and becoming a manager of a minor league team. It's been awesome. Uh, you know, obviously, our organization, the Detroit Tigers, you know, gave me an opportunity to be here, uh, and uh, you know, I, I just have a chance, you know, to do something special. And what I mean by that is like I'm, I'm having a chance to give back. You know, uh, 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 baseball, you know, because, uh, you know, this game, you know, it gave me everything. Uh, you know, it gave me, 
you know, something that I, I that I never expected, and, and that was, uh, you know, being able to play, you know, at the highest level for so many years. But with that being said, you know, it's, it's not about me. You know, it's about our organization. It's about our about our players, and uh, you know, I'm super excited about the future, and uh, I am I'm so glad that I that, that I can do something, you know, to help our players, you know, to to be successful and and representing us, you know, someday in Detroit. So when you first started managing, what were some of the biggest things that you were surprised at? Maybe the biggest difficulties coming in when you first started in 2019 and also with the Sabre metrics now and analytics that baseball uses. How do you think that's changed managing from the managers that you played for? Well, I, I, I really, you know, I have a blessing and an opportunity, you know, to, uh, to, to, to play for a lot of great managers and, uh, you know, some of them future Hall of Famers, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's like a, a little bit of everything. Because I was a backup, you know, pretty much my entire career at the highest level. So I had a chance, you know, to to uh, to learn from them. I had a chance to be close to, you know, to them. And I knew, I knew sooner or later that I was going to be, you know, coaching. I knew sooner or later that, uh, you know, that was my destination, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, my mom and my dad, they were teachers in Cuba, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's in the blood, you know. But with that being said, man, uh, I am a numbers guy. You know, I really believe in numbers. I do believe, uh, you know, in the metrics. I do believe, you know, in the analytics, uh, you know, part of the game. But, uh, you know, with that being said, uh, you also have to understand that, uh, that uh, you know, uh, you, you have to use it, you know, the right way. You have to understand, you know, uh, the, uh, you have to learn to know, you know, how to uh, to read it correctly, you know. And also, especially at the levels that, that are, you know, that, that I'm coaching, you know, also to make sure that our guys, you know, they understand that. I think that is, uh, you know, the, the, the challenge because obviously we have, you know, players from the, from different backgrounds, you know, from Latin America, you know, Venezuela, Dominican, Cuba, you know, uh, Mexico. And then also we have American players that uh, they come from different colleges, they come from different, uh, you know, places. And, uh, you know, you have to make sure that, that uh, they understand what we're trying to do. They understand the process. And uh, it's a beautiful thing, you know, it's, it's not going to guarantee that uh, you're going to go out there and, and win every single night. But at least it guarantees that our players, you know, they're going to be better every single night. And, and that is our goal. That is exactly what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, I'm very excited, man. Very excited about, you know, my position. Very excited about, the, you know, the, the way our organization, you know, is handled business. And, uh, you know, the sky's the limit for our younger players. Brian, we all know the catcher is the quarterback on the field. A lot of people look at each position, shortstop, out, you know, obviously center field, and even pitcher as the most important positions. But I think the most important position is the catching position. They're the ones that are telling the infield where to go, where to maneuver, and, and, and calling out signals, what the, the, the manager is calling on the bench. And then you're actually calling the game for the pitcher. What is it like being behind the plate and calling the game? It, 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 you know, you obviously, I never... I wish I had, but I never played, you know, the quarterback position. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, everybody compared, you know, the catching position, you know, like a quarterback position. Uh, why? Because you got everything in front of you. Obviously, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they have the running back and the fullback because I, I, I have, you know, I forced myself to learn, you know, football because I love the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I still, I still struggling, you know, with some positions. You know? <laughs> but with that being said, man, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all about leadership. I think, uh, you know, everybody's not, uh, it's not vocal. Everybody's not, you know, it's, it's one of those Brian Peña guys that goes out there and, and you know, it's super loud in Spanish and English. You know, I love to have fun. I love to enjoy it. You know, I love to, you know, our players, you know, to go out there and and uh, and, and do that. But with that being said, you know, there is, uh, you know, some responsibilities. And obviously, 
you know, when, when you play that, that, that catching position, you learn a lot of stuff. You learn how to communicate with people. That's very important. I think, uh, you know, you have a chance to communicate with, the, with position players, with pitchers, with your coaches, with your manager, with the umpires, with the media, you know. And at times, you know, in my, in my case, uh, you know, I had, to, I had to translate too, you know. So you got involved with a little bit of everything. And, and obviously, you know, that position gave me, you know, a lot of experience and, uh, you know, and, and I play with great ones, you know, I play with a lot of, you know, great and uh, players and future Hall of Famers. Some of them, they are in the Hall of Fame already, you know, but, uh, you know, with that being said, man, it, it, it's all about leadership. It's all about understanding, you know, what we're trying to do is it's, it's all about understanding that, uh, you know, it's not about you. You know, it's about your players. It's about the goals and, and that the organization wants. And also, and more important, you know, it's about to be give back. It's about, you know, to understand that, uh, you know, it's, it's time for them to, to shine. You know, it's time for them to go out there and, 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 and compete every single day. And, and, uh, and that's what we're doing, you know, you know, with the Tigers. Uh, you know, we are, you know, trying to, uh, to make sure that our players understand that uh, the future is bright. You know, it's great to be a Tiger today. You know, because we give him a lot of opportunity to a younger, uh, you know, players. And, uh, you know, and that's what it's all about. Like, for example, you know, yesterday, Gary Hill, you know, he uh, he threw, you know, for us. And he threw, you know, he pitched extremely well. You know, he got he got the decision. And then, like, around uh, 11 o'clock, you know, I got a FaceTime, you know, and, uh, and, and he was him calling me, you know, because I never drink. I don't drink at all you know, barely in, in the very, very small, you know, occasions. And obviously, you know, when, when I am uh, coaching and managing, I, I don't do that, you know, but with that being said, I remember back in 2018, you know, I told him, uh, you know, that was the first year that I, that I started managing. And I told him, I say, hey, listen, the day that you get to the big league, I'm going to drink a beer, you know, on your name. <laughs> and man, <laughs> you know, he remembered that and he called me FaceTime because he wanted to make sure that I wasn't bluffing about it. And, uh, you know, I didn't drink the beer, you know, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I I was very happy, man. Very excited, you know, about to see him, about to see Tolkerson, you know, Riley Green, you know, Bob Brisky, you know, about seeing guys like that, that, uh, you know, you have an opportunity to work with, you know, beautiful players like them. And then, that uh, you know, just to see them, uh, you know, at the big league level, representing the Detroit Tigers and representing their everything, you know, that, uh, that our organization is all about. And, and the coaches and, and everybody who has something to do, you know, with them to, you know, to get there. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling, man. It is an amazing feeling. Obviously, uh, you know, when you start coaching lower levels and when you manage lower level, you know, you go like, well, our guys are still a little far away, you know, from, from making that happen. But now when you sit down and then you see them play, and then you see them, I'm sorry, you know, playing in Bali mm -hmm. Sport, you know, Detroit, and, and you go like, wow, I can't believe that those guys are in the big league. You know, but, uh, you know, they made it and uh, they make all of us proud, man. So you mentioned that you're from Cuba. I actually read that you uh, you came over to the United States in 1999. So what was your story like of, of coming over from Cuba, which, again, has caused a lot of trouble for a lot of different people? And also you, th you see a path where they make it easier for a lot of these baseball players, especially because they have a lot of talented professional baseball players that come over. Do you see a path where it gets easier for them in the future? I, I got to be honest with you. I defect, you know, with the Cuba national team when, when I was 16. So I had to escape from uh, from my country. I had to escape, you know, from everything that uh, that my country, you know, represent. And uh, you know, I escaped in I, I escaped in, in Venezuela, and then uh, you know I I signed with the Brave, and the Brave they were the team that that gave me an opportunity to become a professional baseball player. You know, so I'm very thankful. I always will be very thankful to to Atlanta Brave because uh, you know they welcome me, you know, and uh, they, uh, they 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 make sure that I that I pursue my dream. 
you know. But with that being said, it's all about America. It's all about this great country. I love this country. I am so, so proud of, of you know, being an American citizen. You know, I'm so, so humble and, and, uh, and so, uh, so grateful, you know, to this great country to, to, to give me an opportunity to sit down here with you guys, you know, to give me an opportunity, you know, to continue to do what I do. And, and that is love my family. That is uh, love what I do and, and continue, you know, to, to be free. And uh, I don't see that happening, you know, with the Cuban government. Uh, it's very difficult to, uh, you know, to, to, to negotiate with them. I, I, you know, I see, uh, you know, our guys, you know, that they're going to continue, you know, to do whatever they have to do to be free. They're going to continue, you know, to uh, to escape, uh, you know, from uh, from delegations and and take, you know, raft and uh, and and and, uh, you know, and, and, and being treated like, uh, you know, like guys that, uh, that they're, they're not welcome. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? In your country. And, and 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 it's very hard. It's very hard. It's a very difficult topic, you know, because, uh, you know, we just want to play baseball. That's what we want to do. We want to play baseball like, like, like Dominicans, like the Venezuelans, like, the, the, you know, the Mexicans, like the Puerto Ricans, you know. That is exactly what we're trying to do. And then, you know, for your country to treat you like a traitor, you know, for your country, you know, to make sure that your family lose their job like the way mine did, you know, when I make, uh, you know, that, uh, that decision of defecting, you know, my mom and my dad, you know, they both lose their job. And, uh, and, and that was on me, you know, that, that, that was uh, uh, my responsibility because of the decision that I made. So that even, you know, drove me even uh, more, you know, to, 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 to become somebody because now it was, it was my time, you know, to, uh, to, to take care of the family. You know, it was my time to do whatever I had to do, you know, to provide for my family. And, uh, you know, it's very difficult, man. It's, it's, it's very hard uh, because, like I say, you know, in my country, we, we are we're not a free country. I obviously I don't want to make this, uh, you know, a, a, a political, um, you know, interview or anything like that. No, it's but not. I got to give you, you know, our reality. I got to give you my heart. And, uh, you know, we're suffering. You know, we really are suffering because uh, I don't see any change. Uh, you know, like, for example, the other day, uh, you know, a 15 year old. Uh, a young man, you know, came out and then he wrote a sign. And this sign, you know, that he wrote, it was like, we need freedom. We need food. We're starving. We're dying here. And uh, the Cuban government sent him to jail for 20 years. 20 years. Mm -hmm. So that young man is not, is not allowed to come out of jail, wow. you know, until he's 35. So can you believe that? I mean, how can you, how can you uh, do that, you know, to, uh, to, to a future generation? Right. You know, yeah. only because you want to continue to send a message. That are, you know, it's, it's, uh, they are dictators, you know. It's a very, very hard, you know, government. And, uh, you know, I love my country. I love my people. I love what my people represent. But, uh, you know, our, our government, you know, something needs to change. And, uh, you know, uh, that's why, uh, you know, we're trying to do whatever we have to do, you know, to continue to support our, our, our people. And, uh, you know, me being in this, uh, in, in this uh, you know, chair, you know, I just want to make the, all of them proud, man. I just want to make them proud. I just want them to know that, uh, you know, all of us that are here, you know, we just trying to make them proud and support them. But uh, that was my story. You know, uh, I had to escape, you know, and uh, I jumped out of, window, uh, out of the window because I was looking for freedom. I didn't want to get caught because if I got caught, I would send it back to Cuba and uh, probably we're going to end up, you know, to be in jail, uh, you know, because I defect, you know, when I was 16. So it's a long story. But, uh, you know, like I said before, I don't want to sound like a, like a broken record, but, uh, you know, our great country, you know, it gave me a chance, give me an opportunity, you know, to be somebody. And uh, that will, I, I will always be thankful and, and grateful to this great country. And I love, I love America. We are talking to 12-year MLB catcher and West Michigan Whitecaps manager now, Brian Pena. Now, Brian, 
we've watched the game, and the game is completely transitioned. I mean, with the new rules, and obviously we've had one commissioner to another commissioner. I think Rob Manford is the worst commissioner in professional sports. I think the guy's a complete idiot. That's just my opinion. Uh, you look at the league now, and now every other pitcher is throwing over 100 miles per hour. These pitchers are unbelievable. Uh, they're all throwing an off-speed pitch over 90 miles per hour. What is it like from the time that you were catching in the mid-2000s all the way to now in the, the game? And obviously, you haven't been out of the game for, for that long, but you see the transition. I mean, every single pitcher, every single team has a pitcher that throws over 100 miles per hour, and they have two guys, three guys in the bullpen that throws 100 miles per hour. I mean, remember when Aroldis Chapman came into the league and he was the first guy to really throw 102, 103? Now you have, like... Eight or nine guys in the league that can throw that hard. So what? what is it? Is it what, Lucky Charms or something? What are they, <laughs> spinach or something? What the heck are they taking now? The game evolved, man. Uh, you know, there is a lot of information out there. There is a lot of, uh, of communication between players, coaches, and, and also, uh, you know, our guys. Uh, and when I mean our guys, I'm talking about the industry, you know. Uh, they understand, you know, their strength and weakness better than we used to back in my days, you know. And what I mean back in my days, I'm talking about 2018. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's been like almost, yeah. you know, a decade or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. But, uh, you know, it, it's just like one of the things that, that uh, the, the players now, they, they understand, you know, what they need to do to be better. You know, they understand, you know what I'm saying, that uh, they have to be a st- a stronger. They, have, they understand, you know, how to, uh, to, to use you know, the, the, the analytics information that, that we are giving them, you know, in their advantage. And when you do that, you continue to make adjustments. You continue to do whatever you have to do to survive. Because right now, the, the, you know, the, the competition level is very up there, you know, especially for the younger players, you know, because everybody's pushing, you know, everybody's pushing each other, you know, and, uh, and it has become a very healthy competition. And, and like you say, you know, I caught, you know, uh, for Cincinnati for, uh, for two years, you know, and uh, 14 and 15. And, and Chapman, it was our closer when mm-hmm. that happened, you know, and I felt like I was doing something, something extraordinary, you know, I'm catching my countrymen and also I'm catching one of the guys, they only throw over a hundred miles per hour. So I tend not to screw up, you know, I had to make sure because all eyes were me, you know what I mean? Because I was the guy. So was the ball. Was imagine, I couldn't imagine that ball hitting you. Okay, exactly, you know? So it's kind of like got to a point where. Uh, you know, ESPN, MLB Network, and, and you know, and, and everybody is like, well, how hard Shaman threw, you know? Mm-hmm. But now it's like, okay, you know, uh, th- this is another guy. Mm-hmm. This is another guy, and this is another guy. And they continue to come, mm-hmm. you know, especially with the younger generation. And that's what it's all about. I mean, I, I understand, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, sometimes they, uh, they they feel like, you know, the guys are they're rush you know, a little bit, you know, to the big league level. But if you got the talent and if you dominate your league and you prove that you belong to a big league, why hold you back? Mm. You know, I agree. Uh, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, right now we are an organization that, uh, you know, we are we are uh, um, uh, understanding right. and continue to promote, you know, our younger players. And why not? I mean, it, it's like I say, if you're ready and you have the talent and you have the understanding and you have the mindset, you know, to continue to grow, why, why am I going to stop you? You know, so I feel like there is a lot of help. Obviously, uh, you know, during the off season, you know, some guys that they, they go and they hit with the, with the hitting coaches, and and, uh, and and some guys they go and, and go to different places where they get continue, you know, to develop and they continue to get better. You know, so it's a very good combination between you know uh, between the season and then the off season, and guys continue to work and continue to get better and continue to push themselves to a very good level. 
And obviously, there is a, there is a motivation behind it. Not mm-hmm. just that you're going to be a big leaguer, but now you know seven hundred and ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That is a pretty good excuse, of course. You know, for you to yeah. go out there, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 uh, you know, and and try to make it to the big league. You know, uh, but uh, I mean, I I think you know, in my humble opinion, you know, I think that uh, you know, I I I the future, you know, of baseball is 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 is, is very good because uh, you know a lot of younger players are coming up. Like I said before. And they continue to get better and they continue to, to, to push themselves, you know, to, to the limits. And, and that is a good thing. Nobody's settling. You know, a lot of the guys, you know, they, they, they want to continue to go out there and, and grind and, and compete. And, and as an industry, you know, it's, it's a good thing to, uh, you, you know, to watch. And, and obviously every organization is different. Everybody, every organization got, you know, different philosophy and, and, and different mentality. You know, but at the same time, man, I I, I, I enjoy it. I, I really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, now those guys, they really make me look old, you know, because, uh, you know, my players, when I talk to them, you know, and I mention a few guys, you know, from my era, they go like, who? Who is that? And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I'm, I, I'm so glad that these guys, you know, I'm coaching these guys because, uh, you know, it's, it's all about uh, the, the new wave, you know, like I call it. And, uh, uh, you know, you have to love it. You know what I'm saying? So actually, while we're on the topic of 100 miles an hour, we actually had your uh, f- your former teammate in Detroit uh, two uh, two weeks ago, Bruce Rondon. We had him on the show. He actually became the first pitcher in his rookie year to throw nine pitches 100 miles an hour in one relief outing. I don't know if you caught that game. I, I know Alex Avila was there too that year. I'm not sure if you caught that game, but yeah, it was his rookie year in August. So that is a little fun fact for you. I tell you what, uh, he, he you know a lot of the players that they they didn't remember that that uh, uh, that it was me. The one who was catching that, you know, that he was him. I'm sorry, the one he was catching that game. That uh, uh, Nick Switcher, you know, hit a foul ball, mm. and then I let I let that baseball come back in to to be fair, and I grab it, and then I I, I tag him. You know what I mean? And everybody's been talking about that play, you know, for a lot of years and stuff like that. And uh, he was the one who was pitching that day. Oh, okay. You know, he was the one who you know who was pitching that day, and uh, you know, I I love Bruce, man. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he really. It really was good to us, you know. He, he was a great teammate, you know, and uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, uh, hopefully sooner or later, you know, he can come back, you know, to a big stage because I know that he's playing in Venezuela during the Winter Bowl, but I I don't know who is playing, you know, uh, who is playing now, you know. Uh, I don't know if he's playing for uh, for. He's playing in Mexico now. Uh, Mexico, right? Yes. Or, or maybe Mexico, mm-hmm. yeah, or maybe Mexico. But uh, you know, great time, you know, great time with him. Uh, you know, we celebrate together. You know, we cry together. You know, because that year it was a tough year for all of us. You know, uh, I'm talking about 2013. Right. You know, but uh, you know, but with that being said, man, uh, you know, it's it's the game is evolved, and uh, and 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 you have to evolve with the game and and continue to get better. So I wanted to ask now also about a, a teammate of yours that is one of the best pure hitters, maybe the best pure hitter of this generation, Miguel Cabrera. He announced he's going to retire at the end of next season. So what was he like as a teammate and just as a, as a legend, a baseball icon? If it's not the best, it's one of the best out there. Uh, you know, Miggy is one of those guys that he really want you to be better. Miggy is one of those guys that he really will do whatever it takes, you know, for you to be better. And uh, not just if you're Latino or if you are American, you know, Miggy always is there for you. Uh, you know, he really make me better. As a matter of fact, you know, I have to be very thankful, you know, to him, to Prince Fielder, Tori Hunter, uh, you know, Victor Martinez, because, uh, you know, those guys that really help me with my, with, with my game. You know, uh, uh, when I played for the Tigers, that was the best the, the best uh, year that I had offensively. You know, and and and, and Lord, all, all the credit goes to those guys, and obviously, you know, Lloyd McClendon, that he was our hitting coach. But uh, you know, Miggy, man, Miggy's special. You know, Miggy's one of those guys that he really make you, you know, be around him. You know, love to be around him. Uh, you know, and 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 with that being said, I I feel like 
Uh, you know, I have my hopes that he's not going to retire. You know, I have my hope that he continues to do what he's doing because, uh, you know, look, you know, he's, he's been one of the best hitters that we have, you know, it, this year and that he continued to, to do what he does. If I'm not mistaken, I think today he was three for three. Yes, I think he was today. I think he was today. Because here we are in Ohio, so so we don't have. Uh, He's still hitting cable, over three hundred. So, uh, I mean, we're not able to to see, you know, our guys. He's and, he's still hitting over three hundred. Watching from yeah. from the from the Cleveland, uh, you know, uh, TV, you know, station. So, uh, but uh, you know, I I, I think Miggy, man, Miggy, uh, you know, is one of those guys that he's really, really, really. You know, going to continue to to make a positive impact. You know, in this game, and, and everybody love love Miggy and uh, and why not? Because the guy is first class. Yeah, it was three for three with a walk and an RBI today as well. There we go. You see, I missed that walk, but I knew it was like three. For three. He's hitting three hundred. So three oh eight right now. Yeah, on the season. Yeah, it's unbelievable. We are talking. It, it is unbelievable. It is we unbelievable. are talking to twelve year MLB catcher and West Michigan Whitecaps manager Brian Pena. Last question for me, Brian. Uh, the time that you were on the field, was there a particular player that you were starstruck when you when you got a chance to see him go to the plate and you're catching against him, or or even just having a conversation on the field with some of your you know the icons that you remember in the game that everybody loved? Is there a particular player that you just always were starstruck to see when you were on the field? Me, really? Yeah, because I mean uh, I spent you know a lot of years with Kansas City, so mm-hmm. we had to play them a lot. You know, and, uh, and 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 remember his his prime years. There were the, the, there was those years that uh, that I was with 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 uh, with uh, with the Royals, and then uh, you know he won the Triple Crown, and then uh, you know the next year after that he had much better numbers. You know that, that in 2013 he had he had much better number than the one that he had before. Mm. Uh, you know, but uh, but uh, you know it's it just like one of those guys that you really want to see what he's doing because you know he really gives you what what you uh, he tastes what you give him. You know, and pure hitters, they do that. They're not trying to do too much. They're just trying to stay within themselves. And also they, they, they take advantage, you know, of, of every opportunity that you give them, you know, to, to, to be successful. And that is exactly, you know, what Meg has been doing his entire career, you know. So it's very, very nice, you know, to see, you know, him, uh, you know, continue to do what, what he's doing, especially for us. But with that being said, uh, you know, my trial, it was a special too. You know, when Mike Trout, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was walking, the, you know, uh, he got, he got something around him that you go like, wow, this guy, is he a, is he a football player? Is he a you know, baseball player? You know, is he an MMA fighter? I mean, because, uh, you know, he's just got that, that he just got it. The it know? factor, yeah. The it factor, thank you. And uh, he's so humble. Mm. You know, he's one of those guys that you really want, you know, uh, him, you know, to marry your daughter, you know what I'm saying? Well, don't tell your daughter that. <laughs> don't tell your wife that. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm so he, got, he got the money, he got the fame, also. There he's, you go. He's so humble. It's so, so good looking. I mean, this kid is perfect. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, um, you know, it, it's just what impressed me the most, you know, about my trial is that uh, he's been so great for so long, not just on the yeah. field, but on the field. Yeah. That, uh, you know, it's, it's very, it's a, it's, a, it's a true role model. And, uh, you know, I love to see him play too, you know? So another guy that uh, on the topic of retiring soon, Yadier Molina retiring this year, who you played in the last year of your career with the Cardinals, is also a guy that I've said is going to be a if he if he wants to is going to be a brilliant future manager with his baseball IQ and the way he works with pitchers. So what was he like as a teammate when you were there in St. Louis, the final year of your career? Wow. I'm talking about like probably I'm gonna get you know some text messages, or phone calls, you know, from from a few of my friends. But I'm talking about you know the best catcher in our generation, 
You know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know behind the scene, you know, how hard he prepared and how great he is as a teammate. My first year that I signed with, with, uh, with the Cardinals, you know, I, I show up, you know, in spring training and uh, at 5.30, have, you know, uh, everything done. Because at 7 o'clock in the morning, he wanted to be working with the younger catchers, with the minor league catchers. And he did that every single day. So, it, 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 you know, that is telling you, you know, how much he cares about the organization. That is telling you how much he cares about people and especially about, you know, that, the, the younger catchers. And, uh, and, and, you know, in the clubhouse, you know, it's one of those guys that everybody loves to be around it because, uh, you know, there is a lot of knowledge. There is a lot of experience. You know, he makes sure that he always gives you something, you know, for you to continue to learn and for you to continue to get better. And, uh, and, 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 and it's exactly what you guys say. I, you know, I believe that it's going to be a manager in the big league, you know, uh, uh, someday. And, uh, you know, right now I think, uh, you know, he's going to be managed, in, you know, in Venezuela this, uh, this, uh, this uh, next uh, offseason. Uh, and then, uh, and I, I don't know yet because it's not out yet, but probably he's going to have an opportunity to manage, you know, the Puerto Rico team, you know, in the mm. WBC, you know. So, uh, you know, th 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 obviously uh, this is just me speculating because they haven't made that announcement yet. But I know he's ready. Everybody knows that he's ready. Everybody knows that, uh, that, that nobody prepared better than he, than, than he does. And, uh, you know, and he's well-respected, you know, not just on and off the field, but, uh, you know, it, it's impressive. It's impressive to see a guy hit a ground ball to show the top and the entire, and the entire uh, uh, stadium, Jari, Jari. He just hit a ground ball to show the top. You know, Brian Peña had to hit a homer or something for guys to clap. And this guy just hit a ground ball to show the top. And everybody's screaming his name and yelling his name. That's how special he is, man. That's how great he's been, you know, for that organization and, uh, and, 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 and for the fans, you know, to appreciate him like that. Him and Wainwright, you know, obviously Wainwright and I, we, we, uh, we, we played together when we were, you know, younger with the Brave. But, uh, you know, just to see, you know, the reaction, just to see, you know, how much, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the, the Cardinals fans, you know, love him and his teammates and coaches and front office and everybody. I mean, it's a special and it's a special and, and uh, some are chosen and he's one of those. Now, before we let you go, I have one question to ask you. Are you a Patriot fan, honestly? Huge Patriots fan. Really? I'll tell you what. And I'm going to tell you why it's funny. When Brady moved to, uh, you know, when, Tampa. when he moved to Tampa, yeah. right, uh, you know, I, I was like, well, th this is going to be a real test. Am I a Brady fan or am I a Patriots fan, right? But, you know, I suffered our losses more than anything. And, and, then, uh, and then I embraced his victory, you know. Like, okay, I'm glad that he's doing good, but I'm still upset because we lost, you know. So I, uh, every Sunday, you know, I go in out there and I continue, you know, to suffer. I continue to go out there and, and it feels like why he left us, you know. I feel like why <laughs> we didn't do enough, you know, to keep a guy like him. So I definitely more like a Patriots fan than a Brady's fan, you know. Uh, Brian, but I loved you. I love you. I love you. But the fact that you're a Patriot fan, I... I, I... <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm lost at words. I'm lost at words, man. But uh, this is gonna be even crazier because I, I'm, obviously I didn't have the blessing and the opportunity, you know, to uh, yeah. to to be in college here, you know, in the states. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but I I became a Michigan fan, mm -hmm. you know, because of Brady. So I I'm blue, one hundred percent. You know, another so another like, one of our fans I mean, that is a big Michigan. I'm guy. fighting against myself. <laughs> you know, I mean, every single Sunday and every single Saturday, you know, I'm fighting against myself. I'm fighting against my feelings. Oh. You know what I mean? But I got to do whatever it takes to continue to survive because I don't want to have a heart attack when, uh, you know, the Patriots and Tampa, you know, they, they, they will play. It was very hard for me to, uh, you know, to 
the day that, that, that we play against each other, you know, yeah. when we played Tampa, mm -hmm. and, he, you know, and, and, and he went and he beat us. But I felt like it was a very competitive game, but I still, I was rooting for the Patriots, so definitely I'm more a Patriots fan than, uh, than Brady fan. They almost won that game, too. They were very close. Yeah, it was one very of the, close. One of the best defensive like performances against Tampa. Or something. But Bill Belichick, man, he did what he's supposed to do, and uh, and he kept he kept that game, uh, you know, very close. So we have a chance, you know, we had a chance. So, but Brady's Brady. You got to give him a lot of credit, you know, and 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 obviously, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, uh, that he he just uh, came to this earth, you know, to to be great. And uh, you know, it's hard for you, even though if you're not a Patriots fan or a Tampa fan, it's hard for you not to appreciate what he does, you know. Well, we really appreciate you joining us, Brian. We know you are a very busy man as you're a manager over there in the minor leagues. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck. Uh, we definitely would love to get you back on at the end of the season and see how you're doing and see how your team did. And we'll talk more sports with you when, uh, when we get you back on. All right, perfect. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it once again, man. I love you both. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan with my schedule uh, being a little busy. You know, it was a little bit difficult, but, it, it, you know, it worked perfectly uh for for to uh, for for today and uh you know god bless you guys and uh, your family god bless you, you god bless you too and thank you and thank you for all your time and we'll talk to you soon i'll have speedy reach out to you again my friend hi right, guys thank you brian pena uh 12 year mlb vet west michigan whitecaps manager nice nice guy oh, yeah. knows his stuff too and he told you some stories he told oh yeah some stories great stories some yes. of the best stories absolutely and, and, and jeff sending me stupid things as always uh, now, now the real question is that <sighs> is jeff is jeff happy that he's a patriots fan or annoyed he's a michigan fan? oh he loves him <laughs> he loves him I, 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 to me to me i i know i know carl loves that he's oh, of a course michigan fan. absolutely I, you know what's so funny Jeff hates Michigan, but Tom Brady played in Michigan. Yep. You know what I mean? So, and he can't, he despises Michigan. But what makes me laugh about Jeff so much is he calls everybody a clown. You know what I mean? It was me, it's you, it's Tyler, it's whoever's on the show. It, it, they're clowns. But the biggest clown of them all is you. I mean, you call the show, you act like a clown. Everything is about Boston this and Boston that. But let's, but let's be honest. What's going on with your your Boston teams? I mean, yes, the Red Sox. I think they're they're they're, they're tied for place. second in the, the division. They're in second right now, place. Yeah. Oh, big whoop! And 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 listen, you could find a way to make excuses for whatever you want to make. And I, maybe they're not a hundred percent healthy. And uh, we will get into baseball a little bit later in the show as uh, Max Scherzer is back on the mound after I think four and a half weeks. So the Mets got Max Scherzer back on the mound, but. It, to, I don't hate Michigan. You sound like you hate Michigan. Every time we talk about Michigan, a, a Michigan team gets knocked out of the Frozen Four or the, uh, what do they call that football? Yeah, they, the NCAA the Final Four. The playoff, yeah. Yeah, the Final Four yeah, over there. Yeah, every time it calls, oh, Georgia scored again. <laughs> you sound like you hate Michigan. And, and, I think he loves that Georgia team more than he hates Michigan, though. <laughs> and, there's, and by the way, Jeff, you, you bring up your, you know, your saying. I also came up with there are three potential trades with this is just one guy writing this. This was uh, Fadeaway World, uh, July 4th. This was there was three Golden State Warrior trades. Here's the first one. Uh, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris and Seth Curry uh, would go to uh, Golden State. The Brooklyn Nets would get Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. <laughs> Second package would send... Kevin Durant, 
to the uh, Golden State Warriors, uh, the Brooklyn Nets would receive Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kuminga, Kuminga. Mm-hmm. 2026 first-round draft pick, 2008 first-round draft pick. That's the second package. The third package, this is just one guy, would send Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons to the uh, Golden State Warriors for Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Kuminga, James Wiseman, and three first-round draft picks. Did I did not did yeah. I not say that? Mm-hmm. So there you go, taking shots at me, calling me a clown, and all that other stuff. This is a package. This is one. This is three package in one story. So you don't know what you're talking about, and you need to start looking and calling yourself a clown because that's what you are. You should wear the clown nose instead of the clown shoes, or maybe take you to Banana Land where you belong. <laughs> okay. Because everything that you say, you think you know everything, and you don't know nothing. It's not impossible. It's right here. It's not impossible, Jeff. Everything's impossible to you. Everything's impossible. And you think I'm telling a story? Go look it up. These are three packages right over here. Same story. Whatever. I, I want to finish up with basketball because – and it's usually – I know you brought up the Knicks, Speedy, and, and I, I don't think Donovan Mitchell's going anywhere. I don't think he's leaving Utah. Danny Ainge spoke over the weekend again, saying that he wants to build the team around Donovan Mitchell. So for him to to be traded to the Knicks, first of all, Danny Ainge hates the Knicks. Oh, yes. Absolutely despises the New York Knicks. So why would he trade Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks? Now, unless he was forcing his way out. And he's super stingy as it is, too. So. You know, so, and, and look what he got for Rudy Gobert. I mean, he robbed. Yes. He absolutely robbed the Timberwolves. And I really hope that Rudy Gobert is a perfect fit for that team because they could have set their team back five five to ten years. Yeah, it'll depend on how they develop the rest of the depth. They they badly need defense, though, so it kind of makes sense why they're pursuing them. But, they, yeah, that's a lot. I mean, they gave up a lot. What is it, four or five first-round draft picks? Four first-round picks. Again, eight, two. And a switch. Two, yeah, and a, and a switch. And then uh, four four quality players, too. And, again, a lot of quality young players, too. And two big men themselves, too. So Walker Kessler and, and – uh, Vanderbilt, who they just drafted a couple of years ago, too. Both quality big men, too. So the Jazz didn't lose much when it comes to inside defense. The question is, when when you look at, and, and like I said, there, I don't see the Knicks making another move unless some some crazy thing happens and a, right. a player is demanding to get traded to the Knicks. But who's going to demand to go and play for the Knicks? I mean, and, and this is coming from a Knicks fan. So I, I can't see the Knicks doing anything else. Maybe a, a piece here and a piece there. Uh they might try to trade or try to get rid of Julius Randle's contract, but if they get rid of Julius Randle's contract, they have to take on a contract. So I, I, I don't, I don't see the Knicks doing anything else unless something. And is Jalen Brunson the end all be all for the Knicks to get into the playoffs? Probably not. I mean, honestly, no. I, I, I think he's a nice pickup as because the Knicks haven't had a point guard this good in, in a very long time. You've got to say Derrick Rose, but Derrick Rose, when he went to the Knicks, he was washed older, up. Older, yeah. He was washed up. He's, he wasn't the same MVP Derrick Rose from the Chicago Bulls. And he's been a good player. He's good, been a good leader, a good sixth or seventh man off the bench. He missed almost the whole season last year. He's a, he, he really fits. Maybe maybe Derrick Rose could get Jalen Brunson even better and, and help him you know develop even better because he's only 25 years old. We'll see what happens. But I, I can't see the Knicks doing anything else. I, I don't know what's, what else is out there. And the Knicks cap, I, I don't know how much room they have left. Uh, Speedy, you can look that up. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much cap room they have left. 
So what is the prob- probability they're going to get a – a piece that's going to help him get into the playoffs. Yeah, it would probably only be like another like second or third tier big man if that is the case. Uh, the Knicks current uh, current uh, they cap. have sixteen million, sixteen million in cap. What is right that going to get you? Yeah. I mean, really, in the NBA, what is that going to get you? A veterans minimal. Yeah, it might get you like a, like I said, a young, a young like maybe second or third tier type player or like a vet. Yeah, maybe a veteran guy that's probably it's a, not going to do a solid anything. Starter really. The Julius yeah. Randle and Josh said it right. The Julius Randle signing was a was at the at that time it was it seemed like a good signing, but after last year, it, it's a bad signing. It yeah. really is. It might have set the Knicks back right. for another two or three years. I don't think anyone expected him to fall off as badly as he did, though, at the time. Because, again, we were even saying it was kind of thought of as a you bargain only... with how he played, but it was such a fluke, I guess, the way it was. It just it fell to the all-other stream. You know what's so funny? He, now he's attacking me for what I said about Donovan Mitchell. Again, he was over there. He hung out with Obi Toppin. He hung out with Emmanuel quickly. But, again, Danny Ainge came out. Idiot. And he spoke over the weekend. Actually, it was Saturday before – I think it was before Sunday. It was Saturday night. He talked about building the team around Donovan Mitchell. So unless, unless he's trying to, trying to tell the Knicks that come and get him, you're, you're going to have to give up five or six first-round draft picks to get him, he's not trading him. So it doesn't matter how many times. I believe Donovan Mitchell wants to play in New York. I believe it. Unless he pushes his way out and he tells Danny H, I'm not playing for Utah, so you better trade me. The only, that will be the only way Donovan Mitchell gets traded to the uh, to the Knicks. Now, I do believe he wants to be a Nick. Everything that I've heard, he wants to be a Nick. It's, what is he saying? Uh, uh, Snook says, why is Danny Ainge an idiot? Uh, but he was in New York, Jeff said. I, I, I guess referencing what you were saying last week with the he Instagram was. thing. He was. He was hanging out with, with two New York Knicks players. Mm-hmm. And what does that tell you? Why would he be going out with Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly? Okay? You sound stupid, Jeff. And, I, again, I don't care how many shots you're going to take at me and, and, and say what I said about Donovan Mitchell. Again, I could go back on what I said for what Danny Ainge said over the weekend. Danny Ainge said that he is building the team around Donovan Mitchell. And unless Donovan Mitchell tells Danny Ainge, I want to be traded to the Knicks, trade me, it's never going to happen. Also, I think, too, you have to consider what they got back to and also Danny Ainge's history with the Celtics, too. He's also he's always been very stingy in trades. Now, sometimes that has backfired. He hates where, the Knicks. Where, well, not only that, it, sometimes it's backfired where the, the Celtics were a, a favorite for a guy and he either didn't want to pay him as much as they wanted to or didn't want to trade away as many draft picks as they wanted to once he accumulated all those from the Nets, too. We heard them in rumors a lot for guys like Anthony Davis in the past. Uh, even initially after Kyrie Irving left, a lot of different point guards. So they... He's not going to make it easy unless, like you were saying, Donovan Mitchell says, I absolutely am not playing. And and now Jeff's saying Errol's checking the salary cap. Now this is hilarious. Here's the hilarious part. I asked what the salary cap is because I know what Brunson took a little bit less money because he wanted to create more salary room so they can bring in another player. And the only way that – why I asked him that is with the Julius Randle contract, I'm trying to figure out how they can fit a Donovan Mitchell in if they were to trade for him. And you're the only joke and you're the only idiot, Jeff. But you want to know something, Jeff? I don't really care what you say. You know, you say stupid things and it's always about Boston this and Boston that. Your Boston Celtics didn't win this year. Your Patriots aren't going to win this year. Your Red Sox aren't going to win this year. And your Bruins aren't going to win this year. So you can keep talking and, oh, another parade we're going to see, another parade. Where was the parade this year? Cloud Shoes. 
Where was the Where was the parade? Julius Randle this year is making twenty three point six yeah. seven million. Seven Which is six, a pretty good seven, deal. Six million for a guy that was an all star two years ago. Now, yeah. Last year, he fell off in the first half. He got better in the second half. The last 15, 20 games that he played, he played better. I, I just, I, I mean, when you look at a guy that's averaging 20 and 10, you, you would say that he's a good player. But right. it, it just, to me, Julius Randle is just, he's, I, he, he doesn't work good with young players. Yeah, that's the problem for one. And the other, t- the other problem, too, and is an era of efficiency that models in, in a shooting league in the NBA. I'm not talking necessarily about just three-pointers, but just efficiency in general. He shot 41% last year. And, yes, he might have had a lot of rebounds, but there is also a big difference between just a, a re- good rebounder and a good raw defender. And Julius Randle, he was better defensively in th- Thibodeau's system the first year, but then just fell off badly. The Knicks played better defensively in the second half of the season in games he didn't play in. And the Lakers are still interested in Kyrie Irving, and everything that I've read is the Brooklyn Nets only want to trade Kyrie to one team, and that's the L.A. Lakers. Mm -hmm. Now, how does that fit? What are they going to get back for Kyrie Irving? Now, if the Lakers get Kyrie Irving, their first-round draft picks are not going to be, you know, lottery picks. Right. So what are they... What are they really getting? What are they really giving up? They're going to have to get rid of Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. So Russ would probably have to go to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, that's a, a contract. One year left on that contract. It does free up salary cap room for next year. But who's going to want to play over there in Brooklyn if you don't have K- KD and you don't have Kyrie over there? And you're, you're probably going to trade Ben. So you're rebuilding again. So how does that work? And what else are they going to give up? They don't want to trade, uh, they don't want to trade Davis. Right. So what do they have? What young players that they have that, that the Brooklyn Nets would be interested in, unless they bring in another team, a three-team trade? Yeah, they're going to have to at this point. I know we were talking about the Thunder one last week as a team that has maybe so much young Maybe bring in talent. Portland in? I, maybe, I don't know. Por- maybe Portland's another option. It has, to, it has to be a team with enough young players Dallas? in order to make it work. I don't even know if they have the depth of young players. They have though. money. They have money for sure, but uh, even the depth of young players, unless they just got a lot of draft picks collectively from, from either team, it would have to be... It would probably have to be a team like OKC that had a lot of draft picks and now have a lot of young players all at once. Because, yeah, the Lakers definitely don't have that level of a high upside type young player. Even even this draft, too, when they when they were supposed to have a high pick, they, they didn't have their pick this year. So they didn't even have a chance to be able to do that kind of thing. None of these young players scream on this Lakers roster scream guys that you be are complete players that could be developed. Austin Reeves is a good shooter. They have Mac McClung that was a good player. But again, these are guys are all specialists. Uh somebody like Taylor Horton Tucker is a good defensive player. These are all specialists. These aren't complete players with a lot of upside by any means. I'm trying to look at and and there are some good young teams that are gonna have good like Orlando with all the, the draft stock that oh, they've yeah. had over the they last couple of years. Too, yeah. And they have a lot of money. I I it, we'll have to see how these players develop, but eventually Orlando will have it right they'll get it right and then they they yeah. could bring in some free agents that'll come and play with some of their youth and young talent. I mean, they've got some tremendous good young talents. So, and I again fake news. Good. Jeff, everything that you say is fake news. Why am I even wasting my time talking with you on on a feed? The only fake news is you. Go swim in your swimming pool, sink to the bottom of the pool and do whatever the hell you want to do, man. Fake news. Donovan Mid- You know what's going to be really funny? And I can't wait for this. Donovan Mitchell might not be traded now, but eventually, after he sees how bad the Utah Jazz is going to be this year, he's going to demand a trade, and he gets traded to the Knicks. And then I'm going to shove it up your you-know-what. And then what are you going to say, Jeff? What are you going to say? You're going to hide in your cocoon. You're going to hide in your shell when you're wrong. But that's what you do. 
All I said is right now, after they traded Rudy Gobert, and what Danny Ainge said over the weekend is Donovan Mitchell is probably not getting traded. That's all he said. Does that mean that he's not trading him? I don't know. I don't know what Danny Ainge is trying to do. But we have seen Danny Ainge do this before. Uh, what is he saying? Uh, so you're going back on your walk back. What's my walk I back? What are you what talking about? I have no idea what going back on my walk back, what? That he went out to dinner with Emmanuel Quigley? That he went out to dinner with Obi Toppin? Those are facts. I'm not going back on anything. Uh, Carl, uh, I just want to answer Carl's question from a little bit ago. Uh, we were talking about Michigan because uh, our guest Brian Pena was mentioning since he started working for the Tigers and managing in West Michigan, he started accumulating them as uh, as their his college football team. So it was brought up. And then he's also a Patriots fan, so connected with Brady. Yeah. So that, that's the context of that. So I, I, I jokingly said after the interview. You know what's so funny? Uh, Brian barely knows us. He's a big fan of ours. He loves us. Mm-hmm. And he's a Patriot fan. And he actually gives us a little bit of respect. We have these these dumb Patriot fans that listen to our show that give us no respect or has something to you know smart to say about everything that we say. Like we're 100% right. Sports radio is no guarantees. If you actually listen to sports radio, smart ass, because that's what you are. If you actually listen to sports radio... 90% of the things that they talk about is not going to come true. It's a way to stir up things. It's the way to have a conversation where fans could listen to your take. You could call them clowns. I could tell you a bunch of radio show hosts that make millions and millions of dollars on the radio that 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 perceive you on what they say when it comes to sports. And by the way, they st- people still listen to them and still like what their takes are. My take was I brought up Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons going to Golden State, and you say it's impossible. Well, tell that to the writer that wrote it, you clown. I also think, though, too, when you look at this market for Kyrie Irving, the Lakers, them being, being kind of that last team left, you kind of feel like the Nets are going to have to try their best to even get a third team involved at this point to be able to get any t- resemblance of young players. Because I mentioned on the weekend crunch too that the, because the Lakers don't have the young talent, they're going to have to either gamble on the straight Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant swap, or they're going to have to get a third team involved. But if there's even if somebody like OKC doesn't want to get involved, that's not a good sign for those both those teams, which are kind of in the same salary cap hell and situation. Now the Lakers obviously are in better position than the Nets are right now because none of their guys have forced themselves. Now out. this makes a lot of sense. DeAndre Ayton could be a sign and trade piece to trade to the Brooklyn Nets. Yep. Now that is something that I'm reading here as well. Um, it would said DeAndre Ayton and two other pieces from the Phoenix Suns. To the Brooklyn Nets and a pick, yeah, uh, and a pick to the Brooklyn Nets for KD. I don't know the other two players. I would imagine it's either something probably like Cam Johnson and maybe Jalen Smith, the forward they drafted in the first round two years ago, and maybe another, uh, maybe another first round pick. I would imagine. I don't think they would have to trade Bridges if they have to trade Aiton. I think he's too valuable to them defensively. But you would you would have thought after the the free agents free agency market opened up that DeAndre Aiton would have been taken right off the. Uh, Right off the list of free agents, uh-huh. right away, and I, we heard Detroit, and then they traded with the Knicks, the, the Knicks for Nerlens Noel and uh, Alex Burks, and then they and, took on Kemba, yeah, and they took on Kemba Walker. So now they have no room. So where does DeAndre Ayton go? Who's interested in him? I haven't read anything with DeAndre Ayton. Everybody thought he was a hot ticket. He was going know, here, he was going there. I know you also mentioned the Hawks as a possibility if they trade Capella too. Well, they just. 
I, I don't know if they're going to trade Capella. Yeah. And now that I'm they not sure in, either. Yeah. Now, now they brought the point guard Murray, in from yeah. Murray mm-hmm. from the Spurs. I, I mean, obviously, he's still on his rookie contract, so they don't really have to pay him. No, he's actually not did on his rookie contract. He... He's, but he's not. I don't think he's on a max he, contract. Did, no, he didn't. Did they extend him? Yeah, they gave him a four, a new four year contract, but it's not. How a long max has contract. he been in the league? Uh, I believe this is his sixth year in the league. They just signed him recently. It was a four year deal. Did they draft him? Yes. He was a late first round pick, one of the one of the years they made the Western Conference Finals or something like that. He I wanna say he was either twenty sixteen or seventeen, mm-hmm. but his contract is not bad. It's actually only sixteen million dollars a year on average annual value. I think there's some years he'll get seventeen. I don't know if I don't know if Atlanta was planning on re extending him and making him a max player because the way he played last year, 21-8-9, definitely deserving of it. But... It's one year. You have to see it multiple years okay. for, you, for right. you to give him a contract. Yeah, that's, that's that's the point. I think he only might have gotten the uh, veteran minimum for maybe a second-team all-rookie or for, uh, maybe a first-team all-rookie. He was maybe might have been the last guy. I'm not, I don't remember that year because that 2016 draft class was not great as it was. A lot of, Except for Brandon Ingram, a lot of right. guys had a lot of trouble getting going in, in that draft. and so he might have He's made the that only team. big name that's still available, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Who else is available? Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, Zach Levine signed back with Chicago. Yep. I mean, Bradley Beal, uh, Bradley signed, Beal back, signed back yeah. with the Wizards. I, who's available? Yeah, it's really only a lot of just. I mean, young KD big men. and Kyrie getting traded. That's it. It's really only at this point young big men, which aren't getting the same level of value in. What well, because is a, it can't. Most of these guys can't shoot threes. Right. In a wing type league, in a versatile type league, it's very hard for those pure centers to get value. Another guy that's been brought up has been Miles Turner, but again, he's another one that's more of just a traditional center, kind of like a younger type of Gobert. Like he shoots a little better, probably, but he's not the same level of defender. And he also, like we were saying about Mitchell Robinson and guys like that, he's all they have also had their injury. And I loved what the Pacers did at the trade deadline last year, and then they traded away a piece to the the Celtics. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Right. I mean, they were up and coming. It looked like they were getting everything, all their ducks in a row. They have Rick yeah, they Carlisle there. Yeah. They flee Sacramento. Everything looked like it was going, and then they traded one of their be- better young players to yeah. the Celtics. Right. It doesn't make any sense. I, I mean, it, it's when when you look at the way the NBA works, and and again, it's all about the cap room, and like every other sport except baseball. With football, it's all about fitting the cap and making sure that, you know, everything works out each year so you can go after free agents or, you know, you have to pay your rookies from the draft and all that other stuff. It, it, with with basketball, it's it's so interesting because a lot of – even I, I think like the 13th or 12th player on the bench is still making over a million dollars. Right. So it's, it's ridiculous. It's technically – And they a never cap. even step on the court. Yeah, it's technically a cap that's there, but it doesn't have as much formalities as you would want it to for a, a, a league that has a lot of salary cap in place. That's because yeah, – look at this. Jeff says – Brand, uh, Brad Stevens turned Daniel Thies, Thies, uh, Thies, Thies. Thies into Malcolm Brogdon, GM of the year. That makes him GM of the year. Get, get out of here. Jeff, that's the problem with you. That is the problem with you. You are a Celtics Boston fan. So anything they do, it's great. It's perfect. It's wonderful. Okay? And whatever the Knicks do or any of the New York teams do or anybody else – it's terrible. It's the Knicks. They stink. Da, 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 da. Nothing good ever comes out of your mouth about anything else but your Boston team. And that shows you as a homer. That's what you are. A homer. That's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he also saying that Udoka should have won coach of the year, too, in the regular season? Yeah, whatever. And he, did he? Did <laughs> no, he? No. no. He wasn't going to. No. So there you go. Uh, my arrow's so so butt hurt. No, I'm not her butt hurt. It just shows you how how much your head's so far up your Boston teams. You know what? That you 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 have something to say about anything that we talk about with the New York teams. And let's get on it. Let's be honest. 
honestly, the New York, besides the Yankees and the Mets, most of the New York teams are, the Rangers had a good season. They had a good season, but lately they suck. And the Islanders last two years, besides this year, was pretty good. But most of the New York sports are terrible. So of course you're going to make fun of, and you're going to you're going to make fun of the New York sports and what they do. Oh, and uh, there's like 15 professional New York teams, and and we have four professional Boston teams, and we've won more championships in the last 15. years. Who cares? Who cares? That's all I'm going to say about that. Who cares? We're talking about now. Nobody cares about past tense. Nobody cares about yesterday. They care about now. When was the last time a Boston team won a championship, Jeff? The Patriots three years ago. Three years ago. Okay. Now, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about later. We're talking about now. Is any of the Boston teams winning a championship this year? Probably not. So we're going to sit here. You think Mac Jones and the New England Patriots are going to win anything in the AFC the way it is? They're not. Uh, Jeff, we have a guest. Call back after our guest. I don't care what Jeff. They, they, listen, Jeff could call back whenever he wants. But I, I best believe, ladies and gentlemen, when he does call, he's going to have a handful with me tonight because I'm not dealing with his crap. I'm not dealing with his Jeff, boring, call back after our baby, guest. Two, you don't want to talk about clown shoes? He should be in a circus, okay? I, I would tie an anchor to the bottom of his leg and mi- watch him sink. Okay, that's what I would love to see him sail to the bottom of the f- the ocean floor. Now you've okay? reached beef levels. It, 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 it's it's just terrible. <laughs> that's what he says all the he's time. Got, he has got so much, and I, we'll get we'll get to our guests in just one moment. But he has said so much crazy stuff to say. He wants to attack everything everybody else says, but when he says it, he's he's right. He's perfectly right. Oh, GM of the year. Let's give it to Brad Stevens after he robbed the Pacers. Okay. Okay. I thought it was a good trade. But to say that he robbed the Pacers and he's GM of the year because of it, it's ridiculous. All right? Whatever. When we come back, we'll be talking to author of Mid-Range Theory and the athletic NBA analyst, Seth Partnow, here on the Sports Loudmouse. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loud Mouths. You can call us at 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, we had a baseball guy on, and why not get an NBA analyst in? Uh, we've been talking NBA since free agency. Jeff has his foot up, as you know what. So uh, we definitely got to get into this Kevin Durant saga thing. But before we get into that, we're going to get into his book. We are now talking to author of the Mid Range Theory and the Athletic NBA Analyst, Seth Partnow. What's going on, Seth? How's it going, guys? I uh, I am um, I, I feel like I'm jumping on a treadmill going 12 miles an hour. Just uh, <laughs> what, what, from what I heard before the break from you guys, so I'll see if I can get up to speed fast enough. Well, uh, we, we're here to entertain, so I hope you were entertained from that. <laughs> but uh, that's sports radio. I think I, I, I have thoughts on the Malcolm Brogdon deal if you want them. Absolutely. I, before we before we get into the Malcolm Brogdon thing, uh, tell us a little bit. By the way, how are you doing since the COVID situation? And how are your family? How's your family doing? I mean, hopefully nobody has monkeypox because that, that seems like the next uh, 
you know, strand of things. But anyways, how are you guys doing? And uh, then we'll get into your book. Oh, we're doing well. We're actually, uh, you can see, uh, that's not that's not my house behind me. That's uh, <laughs> not even the Airbnb we're currently staying at. But we're actually on a uh, family road trip uh, hmm. culminating in Las Vegas for the Summer League. Oh, um, oh wow. So I actually get to Vegas tomorrow. So we'll, Good but, for uh, you. Yeah, no, fa- family's good. Um, we somehow managed to make it through two and a half years with nobody getting COVID. I don't wow. know how, especially given the amount I travel. But yeah. Hmm. Knock on wood here. Uh, no, it's, it, uh, everything's good. Uh, it's uh, it's a very busy time of year for mm. anyone in, around the NBA. I mm. think that's uh, I think that's one of those things that 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 is confusing to people on the outside. Is okay. The people think the playoffs, but it's actually like the week the playoffs ends. Heading into summer league is usually the busiest month of the year for anyone who works in and around the league because you get the draft, you get free agency, you got summer league, and you got you know every, at summer league everyone's trying to find new jobs. It's it's it is a it is a wild time of year, and so uh, it is uh, it's it's a busy but good busy. So why don't we get into your book? Tell us a little bit about what first of all. What made you decide to write a book about the mid mid range theory? And tell us a little bit about the book. What is the mid range theory? So uh, the short reason is, uh, you know, when I when I uh, left the the Bucks front office and went back to the media, I thought, you know, some point I'll write a book. I'm not really sure what about. And then uh, around the All Star break 2020, uh, the publisher Triumph called me up and said, "Hey, you should write a book." And I was like, "Well, I guess I'm writing a book." <laughs> uh, and then I got some I got some good advice that, uh, especially a lot of the stuff that I'd written before I went to the Bucks front office, like I had covered that ground, but. Nobody had read it really, so it was it was kind of okay to revisit an update. Uh, so it's a little bit of a greatest hits album almost, uh, um, you know, of of kind of some topics in basketball analytics. Um, as far as the title, the title's a little tongue in cheek. It's um, one of the first hip hop albums I owned was the was the Low End Theory oh. by by Tribe Called Quest. Course, and yeah. a number of years ago, we were, uh, some some folks and I were starting a basketball analytics blog, and the second place name for the blog was the Mid Range Theory, uh, which was like that was that was my it ended up becoming Nylon Calculus. Um, but I sort of had that in my back pocket. So I, I was like, I'm writing a book. I guess it's called the mid-range theory. <laughs> um, as far as what the mid-range theory is, really, it's, it's, I guess it's a little tongue-in-cheek there as well. Um, with, you know, people blame analytics, too many threes, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's really looking at, like, what that actually means. Which shots have become three-pointers? And it's not the – it's not like the Kobe gets the elbow – Dirk uh, dream shakes and, and elevates for a fadeaway or Chris Paul getting to the elbow or, or Dirk doing the Dirk step. It's the random power forwards who can't do anything with the ball in their hands. Aren't spotting up at 18 feet on the baseline anymore. They're spotting up in the corner. Those are the shots that have, those are the shots that have become threes. And it's like, do you miss that? If you're oh the mid range game is gone. Are those the shots you miss? Or is it the stars creating on their own, breaking the defense down, getting to a spot, getting a tough bucket. Same types of players are still taking those shots in about the same amounts. Hmm. And so that's really what the, the like the, that, that, it, the, that chapter of the book is about. And it's covering a, a, you know, a number of other topics. You, you were guys were just talking about, you know, the, the way the salary cap influences mm-hmm. free agency and trades right. and, and the draft and stuff like that. And, and it just covered a number of different topics in uh, that are of interest to me in, in sort of the world of, of basketball analytics and NBA hmm. analytics. 
So I saw that your book had references from both Tim Bontemps and Zach, Zach Lowe at, at ESPN. Also, um, also some players as well. Um, do you, did you work with, did you work with any players in that, in that book as well? And other maybe analysts like that, and even insiders within that. And what were those experiences like in that case? Um, so, I mean, I, I certainly, you know, from, from my time in the league, I think I, I, you know, there's a lot of people I could talk to sort of not to be quoted, but, um, it, there, a lot of the stuff is based on both my experiences and those of others. So it's not like, oh, Seth said this, so that must have been something that happened with the box. It's like, no, that's uh, sort of a lot of people uh, used me a little bit as a as a conduit to get some you know some stories and opinions out there. Um, in terms of players, that's a, that, that's that's a you know that's a really interesting one that comes up. It's like, oh, how do you talk to players about this? It's like, well, the short version is you don't. Uh, it's a little bit different than baseball, where because numbers have been a part of baseball, yeah. and you sort of have time to plan between actions. There's, it's a little easier. Um, so you don't, the, you cannot play basketball thinking. So the last thing I ever wanted to do was go up to a player and say, "Hey, Giannis, you should think about blah blah blah." It's like, no, you go to a, you go to the coach and say, "Here's something we've noticed about Giannis's game. Integrate, use it, don't use it. Like, if it makes sense with everything else that's going on." you know, you can implement it. And so that's the, that's the way that works. So um, the notion that like, you know, that, 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 you know, the, the, the guy who's, who's writing code is like going to the star player and saying, like, actually you should shoot a three pointer on the break. <laughs> and then the players do that. Like that's, that's one that's always funny to me. It's like, Oh wow. What else can we do? Um, so Yeah. <laughs> we are talking to the author of the mid-range theory and the athletic NBA analyst Seth Partnow. Uh Before we get into some of the NBA stuff going on, uh, did you see the uh, the the new documentary or whatever new mini series of the rise, uh, the Giannis story with his family? Did you check that out? I haven't. I have not seen it yet. Um, the, I, um, I, th I think the, the, the time I had for, for basketball media was, uh, was more hustle, which right. I thought was great. The, the Adam Sandler, mm -hmm. uh, great. With, with that was great. Yeah. Was, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of details that, you know, you, uh, you, people like to watch like draft day because it's so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I think they got a lot of kind of the scouting and front office stuff you know, right in that movie in, in, in ways that made, made me think that they, they talked to someone, they talked to people who knew what was going on. The only so thing I, I enjoyed I, it. The only thing I hated about that movie is, is, and I don't want to tell anybody the story if they didn't get a chance to see it. The, the one thing is you, you get it. You were moving up to the draft and there was no draft. It, it was like, it, you, you were, you go to all these draft things and the combine and everything like that, yeah. and then there wasn't any draft. We don't know where he was drafted. Uh, obviously, we know who he was. He he played for at the end of the movie, but we don't know what number he was drafted at. I mean, it was him or Kermit. They were the two best guys at the combine, so I guess he went one or two. But uh, were the Celtics drafting at one or two? We don't know where, he, where they were drafting, and that's to me, I think, was so, such an important part of the movie and where he was getting drafted. Uh, yeah, that that feels like a minor quibble in in, in, in the way the movie you know it's yeah, the, know. The, the 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 end bat the end basketball game is is more the climax of the course would have felt would have felt almost like superfluous so I was fine with that okay um, okay <laughs> um, but no I, I I haven't I haven't seen the movie um uh, the, the the Giannis uh, uh, the, uh rise though it's I mean, like I was, a series I think it is yeah yeah um you know I uh, I've heard I haven't either. Have, so I, I've heard it doesn't have a lot of basketball in it. I like I, um, I'm sure there's some liberties taken, but in terms of it showing, like how important his family 
was to his success and, and continues to be with him, that's 1000% true. Mm. Um, they're, they're a very close family and, and it's, and that's been a, uh, that's, that's been a big part of his, of his success, a big part of the reason why he, he chose to stay in Milwaukee. And frankly, I don't think he ever really considered, um, you know, this is not based on any information, just knowing what I, knowing what I know about him. Um, I don't think he ever really considered going anywhere else in part because Milwaukee has been, you know, so good to his family. Interesting. So what was your like, what was your time like working in the Bucks front office? And what are some of the things that you learned and not only working with those players, but developing the way they did, obviously winning a championship last year and maybe some of the nuances added from that into your book as well. So the biggest, the the biggest thing that, that uh, is um, the amount of information that flies at you when you're making these decisions, Mm -hmm. like we see them, you know, from the outside, we see them as kind of two dimensional. You add all the, other stuff, the, the intelligence, the personalities, the agents, the different coaches or players have worked with guys before all that stuff comes into play. It goes from two dimensional to three dimensional. And a lot of that stuff doesn't actually matter, but you don't know which are the important bits and which aren't. Mm. And so it, it like, so separating out the, the, the things that are, you know, Okay, well, this this guy's a hard worker, blah blah blah. It's like, okay, is that the thing that's going to make or break him, or is the fact that he can't shoot a jumper and he doesn't pick up, you know, he doesn't pick up skills that way very well, so he's never going to develop one? Like, which of those is more important? But which of those can you figure out beforehand? Um, so it's I, I like to say that that you know, even even moves that we see that don't seem to make sense, there's always a reason. It may not be a good reason. It may not be a reason you agree with. But the person who made that move can always tell you, well, here's why I did it. Mm. And, you know, it, it probably makes some sort of internal logic how they got there, even if it's ended up being a bad decision, mm. all things considered. As everybody knows, we are talking to author of The Mid-Range Theory and the athletic NBA analyst, Seth Partnow. So, Seth, we're talking about free agency and uh, back and forth banter right now with different fans because obviously uh, the talk was the Knicks brought in Brunson. And I'm kind of skeptical about this move. I I really like Jalen Brunson. I I really do. And he did take less money to go with the Knicks instead of going to Dallas for 108. And he is 25 years old. But because of the way the cap is, because of Julius Randle, I'm still skeptical that this is the final, this is the piece that's going to get him over the hump, that's going to get him to the playoffs every single year. What were your thoughts when the Knicks made that move and they put all their eggs in this basket for Jalen Brunson? I kind of hate that move for everybody involved. Mm. <laughs> I, like Dallas's offseason makes no sense. Um, I understand why the Knicks did it, but it feels sort of like, this is a thing you see in the NBA a lot where a team gets so focused on getting the guy rather than get getting a guy Mm -hmm. that they, you know, they start to do things like hire relatives and, (laughs) and, you know, and, and, and trade assets to move off of not that much money for other players Mm -hmm. to clear space to do things. Um, And frankly, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be a great spot for, for Brunson to have success. I mean, he's gonna, there, you know, there's notions that he's going to be the number one options. Like, ah, there's two other guys who kind of do operate in very similar areas of the floor than, than he do. It's a very weird situation because usually, like being left-handed, means you kind of are attacking from different angles. Right. Well, the Knicks' two most dominant ball-dominant players are also left-handed, so it's like, well, who who gets to attack off the right wing to drive middle? 
you can't put all three of them there. Um, so I think that, like, frankly, for Brunson, playing off of Luca was probably be a better role for him to have success than than it will be in, in New York. Now, maybe the Knicks upgrade talent, put better space, spacing around him, uh, get kind of a more reliable, like, pick-and-roll partner for him. Then, yeah, sure, it could work down the road. This year, it might not be pretty. It's one of those things, you understand why it happens, but it's just, like... Doesn't make sense. Yeah. And the, on top of that, like, the Knicks are in a... Like, where does it get them? Mm. Like, are they... Are How confident would you be of them... You know, okay, they're probably a play-in team now. Right? Are you confident of them being a top six seed in the East, given the given how good, you know, how good you know Milwaukee and Boston and and Philadelphia and Miami and Atlanta's made moves, and uh, depending on how things shake out, Brooklyn could or could not be pretty good. Toronto's gonna like, you know, those are. I think I just ripped off seven teams, right. six of whom I'm pretty confident would be better. And we haven't even talked about Cleveland or Chicago yet. Mm. So it's it is it 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 was curious for me for from sort of all sides and you know again the dallas side is you're making you're signing javel mcgee you're you're trading draft assets for christian wood and then you're letting your point what, what you, yeah what you really need is someone to help take some of the burden off of luca who is the most ball dominant player in the league and you kind of want to reduce that sum but then you lose the second best and really the only other reliable playmaker on the team for nothing in return it doesn't make it doesn't make sense as a series of moves like if they have decided like hey jalen brunson isn't worth this much money and we're going to lose him and we might have to take a step back this year that makes sense but why why are you you know giving three years to javel mcgee and trading a, a pick for christian wood i would, if you're, if you're I would well i would say this i would say he was underpaid for a point guard if he if he does develop into even a better player now he's averaging this year he averaged about 16 and 5 if he if he averages about you know he gets better every single year and he you know at his max he's averaging between 22 and 24 points a game and he's giving the Knicks five or six assists i mean he's only 25 he's not even in the prime yet i think two years from now you you would say you consider him in his prime. So if if he gets to that point, I mean, making you know the amount of money he's making, what is it, twenty two, twenty three million? That's not no, a lot of money for a point guard. Starts around twenty seven. Yeah, but no, and and you know the the, the cap is likely to go up in a couple of years with with, with the media with the media deal, uh, the new media rates deal kicking in. So like, it's the, you know the the money for. You know, when you're talking about this stuff from like a salary cap perspective, it's not like, oh, it's so much money. I can't believe this guy, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's 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 chips at the poker table. Right. It's like you used you used this much of your stack on on that on on that move. And that like puts you at risk of not having enough for things that happen later. Mm. Um, And so I didn't you know, if the Knicks had otherwise kind of clean books. Sure. But I think, you know, they have guy, you know, the the Randall contract is not looking great right now, though he has a chance to rehab that value. Um, they're about to have to sign RJ Barrett to an extension. They've got a, they've got, you know, they cleared some of them out to, to, you know, in, in terms of Burks and, and Noel to clear the space, but now you're talking, it's not just the money you paid him. It's also the stuff you had to trade to create the space to, right. to, you know, so it's the, again, it's much like Dallas. It's the sort of the series of moves that when you say, Okay, that that one individually made sense. That one individually. Then you look back and see at the total kind of what you did, and it's like, I don't love what I got out of that. Mm. That's 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 sort of that that that's my perspective on it. And I'm willing to be completely wrong. Like I, Jalen Brunson, frankly, has never been a player that I've been a huge fan of, and he's 
proven me wrong several different times already. Mm. He's already a much better NBA player than I thought he would be. So he could do it again and I could look stupid and that wouldn't be the first time. So I'm okay with that. So you mentioned in the last question that you think, you think a lot of teams try to go for the guy rather than rather than going for a good piece. And obviously you being in the Bucks front office, you saw how they built their team and they built their team in a lot of good depth around Giannis and Middleton, guys like that. Now, a lot of a lot of the other extremes have been teams like the Nets, teams like the Lakers that have tried to build the big threes again all over and they haven't worked to some extent. Do you think that kind of concept will fade and teams will try to build more like the Bucks and teams like that? I mean, I think that I think when people contrast the Bucks to that, I think that's I think that's selling Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday a little bit short. I mean, you know, I'm I'm probably biased here, but like, uh, you know, Drew Holiday has been one of my favorite players for a num for a long time, and I think he's he remains one of the more underrated two way players in the league. And Chris Middleton is, uh, if he was you know if if he was in a different market, would be recognized as one of like the premier shot makers in the league. Um, but the fact that he's in a smaller market and is oversettered by Giannis, he was at times like the most important player in the playoffs mm-hmm. for the Bucks last year. So, and, you know, missing him this year was one of the most important factors in Boston beating them. That contrast is is maybe a little overdone. I will say that the idea of get a bunch of superstars together or a couple superstars together and then have a bunch of minimum guys and vets who are past it and stuff like that, that doesn't work anymore. Um, because the playoffs are too competitive. Teams are too good at finding if you've got to put a player out there who isn't up to that level of play. Teams are too good at at the top level, are too good at exploiting it. I think we saw that with like Miami a little. Um, you know, they, their depth started to get hurt a little bit. And, you know, Max Struess is a, is a decent enough, you know, player if, you have, if you're asking for him to give you 12 minutes a game. If you're starting him in the Eastern Conference Finals, right. you run into that. In terms of the the get a guy, not the guy, I can give an example um, mm. from the uh, guy who's been important. It was Pat Connaughton. When we signed him, we had a list of, I don't remember who exactly was on the list, but it was eight to 10 kind of shooting guard wing type players who were going to be available. We liked them all around the same. Uh, some of them were going to get paid. Some of them were going to get like mid-level exceptions and stuff like that. But we knew that, that a couple of them would end up uh, being available on minimum contracts. So we were like, let's not, you know, go crazy after and pick one. Let's, we like all these guys. Any one of them will help our team. Let's wait and see and, you know, see what shakes out for us. And, and it, it happened to be that, that the guy who ended up, you know, uh, it's sort of like in the draft, a guy falls to you very similar in free agency. Like Pat Connaughton was that guy. And, and it's been, he's been a very successful player and has been a key part of, you know, the Bucks for the last four or five years. We are talking to author of the Midrange Theory and athletic NBA analyst Seth Part now. You know, Seth, we talk about, again, back to the free agents, and we were talking about the Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon move, which uh, sent him to the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics didn't really trade anything for him. I don't know what the Pacers are thinking. Maybe the Pacers is, are trying to open up space where they can bring in another superstar. Who knows what the Pacers are thinking? I thought at the trade deadline, they won the trade deadline. But the, 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 the trade with Sacramento, I think they absolutely fleece Sacramento. And they put themselves right in position where this is one of the more up-and-coming, you know, offensive and defensive teams in the NBA with Rick Carlisle there. Did Before we get into the Kevin Durant situation, because that's the most interesting thing right now in the NBA, 
What are your thoughts so far at in free agency this year? What really stood out to you the most? What move really stood out the most uh, as far as what you've seen uh, in the last couple of days? The biggest single move was probably the Brunson signing. Um, the trend that's interesting is just all of the kind of huge extensions that that, that have been signed. That's Beal and Levine and and Darius Garland. Uh, you know that's a little different situation because it's a it's a lot different giving you know a rookie the twenty uh, a guy who's coming off his rookie deal like the twenty five percent max as opposed to a guy who's deep into his career the thirty five percent max. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier in terms of translating wins to dollars. Three wins a season difference in terms of how much you need to produce, um, and that's a you know that's a huge amount. That's like almost another starter level mm-hmm. of player difference. Uh, between the two. Um, so that's a big one. And then obviously like teams continuing to just throw, like, I don't want to say like throw, but like being willingness to put draft picks into deals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Atlanta trading for DeJounte Murray uh, and obviously Minnesota trading for Rudy Gobert. Crazy, um, crazy move by them. Maybe like I mentioned Drew Holiday being one of the more underrated players in the NBA. I think the disconnect between how people talk about Rudy Gobert and the impact he has on the game is pretty massive. Like that the Timberwolves were a team that occasionally struggle on defense. Um you have if you have as until he ages out of that level of player, you have a top 10 defense if you have Rudy Gobert on your team. Like that's that's mm-hmm. you know, maybe that does, maybe it doesn't hold up as well in the playoffs, but for a team like Minnesota, like where have you been? Like okay, we have a top 10 defense and we have Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. We can do some things with that. They also now have D'Angelo Russell too. <laughs> Look at his face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, 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 Maybe he is still on the roster. It's <laughs> like I think that I, I would. I would I guess you don't like, like him prospect. very much. He's very Jalen Brunson esque. I, I can see. Uh, I would. I would. I let's put it this way: if they had Jalen Brunson in that spot instead of D'Angelo Russell, I would. I would be even higher on the Timberwolves than I am. So, um, but no. So it's yes. It's a lot. It's a big gamble. But I think teams are seeing like, you know. You don't like you don't win the championship without taking risks. Mm-hmm. Now, whether the risks are good or not, I think that I think to some extent time will tell. But I do like the fact that teams are like, like screw it, let's go. Right. So in general, like you're seeing like all these big extensions as it is, and also coming earlier for younger players. One with their current teams. Do you see that kind of thing being a new trend where it seems like t- guys are staying with their teams rather than trying to explore the big markets or trying to team up? And also, can you see a situation where the NBA becomes like baseball, where guys get starting to paid earlier in their time because young players are the wave of the league? So I think part of it is the 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 previous CBA to this one made extensions for. Um, really uh, for high-level veteran players just made it not worth it for the player to do. So many more guys hit free agency. Now the extension rules have changed to the point where um, it just, from a player standpoint, you can lock in guaranteed nine-figure money much easier, much easier. Like, you know, 150, 200, $250 million guaranteed money going out, you know, four or five years you can you can do that much easier now and so from a player standpoint yeah let's do it uh from a team standpoint it seems like it's a good thing um if you if the player is going to hold up however and this is something that's going to come up a lot in the next cba negotiation is you know we've now seen with ben simmons and now kevin durant a couple instances where guys like okay i got my extension now trade me and uh, um 
that's something that that the owners are not going to be very happy and, and i think justifiably so like you, you you know you okay we you know we we signed you to the we we agreed on this big deal yeah. uh because we agree that you're going to be on our team and be a big part of our team and you turn right around and say yeah thanks for the money now get me out of here like that's not tenable if that if that continues to be a regular thing mm. um you had it you had a second half of that question yeah i, I was gonna ask like players are getting like paid kind of earlier yeah. younger kind of like a little bit like baseball to an extent but not to the same extreme but do you think like more teams will have that kind of system where they pay them earlier before they get too too costly i think so teams have gotten smarter about how they structure for example contracts for second round picks so that they can you know get them at reasonable reasonable rates if they're good after their third year. You saw the Nuggets do that with Nikola Jokic. If we keep him for a fourth year, he's an unrestricted free agent. Let's just not do that. Let's take care of him a year early. And obviously that has worked out very well for them. Um, I think on the other side, we are, we're also seeing, you know, there are, there are contracts around the league where um, I'm wondering at what point people are going to start to say, you know, this, these, this, these four or five year extensions at huge money for guys you know, in or entering their early thirties, these are, these are bad. These are, you can't win those deals. And then you're left, you know, three, four years down the road, you're left with, you know, it's John Wall had to get bought out. Russell Westbrook is, is, is where he is. And I think we're going to end up with a lot of those deals around the league. And I think the teams that are, are avoid those and are able to kind of, to, to, go after the the younger up and coming players the players who still have room for development i think that's uh i i think that is a better model for success than well bradley beal's pretty good let's sign him to all we can and then hope we get lightning in a bottle and put the right team around him mm. as everybody knows we are talking to author of mid range theory and athletic nba analyst seth part now let's get into this kevin durant thing because it seems like it's the talk of the NBA uh, last week. I think it was Thursday or it was Wednesday. Uh, the story came out. Adrian Wojnarowski came out and said that uh, that KD went up to the management and said that he wanted to be traded. Uh, a lot of people blame uh, Sean Marks. Some people are saying that he hasn't. He doesn't have a good relationship with Sean Marks. The whole Kyrie Irving situation. They didn't want to give him the mega deal. Who would have given him the mega deal with everything and? on and off the court that Kyrie has really brought to the picture. Now, I think Kyrie Irvin is a top 10 player in the league talent-wise. I just think he's a crazy SOB, and he just doesn't know when to keep his mouth shut. And every time his mouth opens up here in New York, it seems to make it seems to come out in a spree well, if you know what I mean, where it just doesn't stop spinning. It just keeps on spinning and spinning and spinning. Too bad the earth is not flat. Uh, so let's just get to that. But... um. What are your thoughts with this story? Now, the two teams that a lot of people believe are the lead teams to get them, uh, it's Miami. And now the Golden State Warriors are into the picture now, and it seems like it's it's becoming open, you know, open. I, it doesn't make any sense why he would have left the Golden State Warriors and all of a sudden Golden State's going to trade away all these pieces to bring him back after winning a championship. But I don't know. You tell me, man. I, I don't know what's going on with this. Miami's a hard. I, it's hard to see how that gets done, um, just because unless unless it's some kind of crazy three team deal, um, just because I don't. Okay, my like, what does Miami have to offer? Right. Like they're not 
want Jimmy Butler and, and, and or Kyle Lowry, and frankly, I don't think Miami would put them in. Uh, Miami said they they won't put Bam out of bio, and you can't trade Kevin Durant for Tyler Hero and draft picks. You can't. You just can't do that. Um, and they and even if Miami decided they wanted to put Bam out of bio in because uh, he both he and Ben Simmons signed the designated rookie extension, like Brooklyn can't have both of them on their team, mm-hmm. right? So that makes, you know, then if they wanted to make that trade, then they have to find a Ben Simmons trade. And again, we get back to things we talked about with, you know, the, the Jalen Brunson mm-hmm. deal. That trade might make sense. But then what are you doing with the Ben Simmons that like, oh, we're going to have to send a pick out for get someone to take Ben Simmons. And now it's like the, the, the stuff you're getting for Kevin Durant, you're after sending back out to be able to actually do that trade. What's the point? So just Miami is, is tough for me to see. Golden State's an interesting one. Um I don't know. I think the two that seem like the most that make the most sense just from a standpoint of teams where he makes the team good enough to matter and has the pieces to trade that oh, that would make Brooklyn if not whole then at least, you know, not in sort of a fire sale mode are Phoenix and Toronto. Um, and you mentioned earlier, like what's going on with DeAndre Ayton. There's sort of there's two schools of thought right now. One is that no one wants him. The other is, you know, he is sort of held up in this, the Kevin Durant situation. Mm. So that's got to shake out, and then he he either gets traded to Brooklyn or a third team as part of that deal. Or when that gets unlocked, then teams are all right. Well, we didn't end up with getting Kevin Durant, but DeAndre Ayton's out there, so maybe we'll do a sign and trade or something like that. So I think that's. I think he's he's almost in in limbo uh, because of the Kevin Durant situation. Mm-hmm. So all the teams that Kyrie Irving listed last week, obviously a lot of those mm-hmm. didn't want him. But mm-hmm. is there any chance that you still, besides the Lakers, which are still very popular, is there any chance you think any of these other teams? I know you mentioned Miami's probably out too. Any of those other teams would be involved in a Kyrie Irving trade? I think Dallas makes a lot of sense. By the way, I, I explain why. Out of all the teams during my show last week, I because I, he grew up a Jason Kidd fan. Jason Kidd runs that. He's the coach of that team. Luka Doncic, I mean, they have one max contract over there. Uh, They could bring him in. They could fit his salary over there. And he can have – Luka, the problem last year in the the finals, especially against the Golden State Warriors, they didn't have that second option, uh, especially with Luka Doncic getting double and triple teamed. And as good as Jalen Brunson was in the playoffs, he's a small point guard. And and they absolutely – what they did is they they pushed him out on the perimeter. Even though he's a good shooter, he couldn't get inside where he was more dominant with the pick and roll. And that caused a problem uh, for him to score in that series. But Dallas makes a lot of sense. Perhaps getting to the salary is, is is a problem there. You end up having to take back one, if not both, of Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Mm-hmm. Now Dinwiddie had some nice moments in, mm-hmm. in, in the playoffs and he's a he's 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 a useful player. I think Bertans probably has one of the worst contracts in the league relative yeah. mm-hmm. to performance. Not just because of the amount he's paid, but because it goes out uh, like, you know, uh, this this last year was the first year of a five year extension for mm-hmm. him. So it's oof. Um, so you you know you're paying him four years down the down the down the road for a guy who's going to struggle to get on the court. Um, so again, that gets back to the, the sort of the similar thing as the you know okay you, we get those two to make the money work. Now what makes me want to do that if I'm Brooklyn? Mm. So yeah, I think I think you know there are reasons why it makes sense for Dallas, but why does Dallas make sense for Mine. for Brooklyn is is the harder one to mm. see. Also for Kevin Durant, is there any shot that you think that they could get traded together and still play? Or do you think it's a done deal that they're splitting no matter what? 
That's a lot. I mean, again, the the matching salary is the is the hard part there. What team can get to the amount they need to to make that trade legal and still have enough of a team? The left Hornets to make it work. <laughs> if we're ignoring everything we know about, you know, so yeah, sure, no, but it can still be good enough and can give enough for it to be worth Brooklyn's while. Does Kevin Durant want that? I mean, it is it is kind of funny. Like you know, you read tea leaves. Kyrie opts into his deal, and then the next day, Katie's like. So yeah, I don't know if those two things are related, but you have to at least consider the possibility. I mean, they want to play together, which I understand, but why not stay in Brooklyn if you if you want to play? They together, wanted you're there. to play together. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if we can still say they want to play together. I think a lot has gone on. Like James Harden wanted to play with them, and until he did, whatever we want to say about Harden, there are some reasons why he he was justified in in kind of feeling a little like what the hell's going on here in Brooklyn last year. Like that was like Brooklyn had one of the the craziest, most snake-bitten seasons mm. I can remember for a top-level team. It's um, it's crazy. It really is. You had James yeah. Harden, Kyrie Irving, and KD in the primes of their career and, and playing great basketball, and they only played 16 games together before James Harden left. Uh, they were 13-3, and three, but they never they all never played on the same team in a playoff series at all in the two years that they played together. That, to me, just tells you tells you where that team was and what that team was all about. Their team changed completely, basically, like, was it 20 seconds into the second round against Milwaukee last year, where yep. they were hardened, like, first possession of the game, pulls a hamstring. Later in the series, Kyrie rolls an ankle. Uh, but the Harden thing had, had longer-lasting impacts because he he's a guy who doesn't do, this is, you know, sort of well-known, he doesn't do a lot of, like, conditioning per se in the offseason. He plays. He plays a lot of basketball in the offseason to, mm-hmm. to, to stay in shape. He couldn't play pickup this summer because he was recovering from the hamstring injury. Like he tried to he tried to come back in that series and he got on the floor and he was playing with one leg and it wasn't pretty. But that may have like delayed his, his recovery. And so he came into the season not in game shape. And so that kind of started things. And then obviously – Tell the... him to stop hanging out with rappers and Kanye West and hanging out in France and going to Italy and going out to Ibiza and, and, and partying up. That's the problem with him. That's the problem with a lot of these NBA players. They're too busy hanging out with the Kardashians and not opening their eyes and staying away from it. Finally, Devin Booker opened up his damn eyes and got rid of that. Because to me, I think even though Devin Booker's at the top of his game, he got the $227, $24 million contract. That's great for him. He needed to get away from them. They're nothing but a jinx, every one of them. Sure. Those things only matter when you're not winning. They get overblown as reasons why you're not winning. It's easy to point. It's easy to point to like off floor distractions and stuff like that. Like the like the no, the the proportion of NBA players who don't bust their ass mm-hmm. to be re- to get as good to be as good as possible to be ready to play is just just very small. Like mm-hmm. you can't be in the gym with these guys and say no, these guys aren't working. Like that's <laughs> that's that that like. And I'm not saying you you said that, mm-hmm. but that's one of those things that's out there. That Let me they, ask oh, you a question. They're, they're lazy. It, it makes me so. I'm mad. not saying they're lazy. No, yeah. I'm, no, I'm and just, I'm not saying. And I'm not saying. You I, I, I would just, never yeah. say James Harden's lazy. Lazy, but the problem with James yeah. Harden is, and last year in the off season. I saw him with Rick Ross. I out here in New York. I was at an event. I was DJing. James Harden shows up. He's hanging. He's drinking. He's chilling. The problem with him is, and it's been a problem with him in his career. And he's he's even funny when he went from lapsing from OKC to Houston. A lot of people said that he was 
partying during playoff games, uh, you know, during the playoff series. I forget what series it was when he was in Houston. A lot of people were complaining about him. They saw him out when they were losing, uh, when he had that bad game where he, he shot up like nine bricks at the three-point line. Yeah, like against the Spurs. Yes, he, shot like he was out partying yeah. the night before. So it's a big problem. And as far as my question to you is, I mentioned up the Kardashians, besides Lamar Odom, has there any bit any one of these other players that have dated those Kardashians? Have they ever won? Honestly, have they ever won? And the answer is no. So it has to tell you one thing: they're nothing but a jinx. Get away from them. Keep their Hulu Kardashians away from these NBA players. Unless, unless James Harden wants to call himself uh, the Harden Factor and he wants to make his own TV show on Hulu. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. I think James Harden is a fabulous talent. I think he's a wonderful talent. The problem with James Harden over the years, and I'll say it again, I'll say it over and over again, the guy just parties too much. Too much. And he needs to, you know... Being that he's trying to build a legacy for himself, and I know that's what he's trying to do, you need to win to build a legacy. Chris Paul's trying to find that, and I feel bad for the guy because everybody keeps saying, oh, Steph Curry's a better point. Let, let's be honest. Chris Paul is the best point guard of our era, it's our generation, but he'll never be considered that until he wins that title, and that is the problem. And I think Chris Paul is one of the most talented point guards I've ever seen. So, but he'll never be considered that until he wins a championship. Until that happens, they're always going to talk about Steph. They're not going to be talking about Chris. I, I, and I think there's 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 good parallels because how many players are thought of lesser now mm-hmm. because they happen to play they happen to be in their primes, you know, against Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And I think that that like this, you know, you, you think about it from from you know. 2011 to to 2018, it was either LeBron or those Warriors teams you had to go through in the finals. Once mm-hmm. in, in both, in many cases, mm-hmm. and so that's there's a that's a lot of oxygen that is taken up by, you know, guys can be great players, but just saying, hey, Steph better, you know, that's a, that's a that's a meme in in the Warriors. Okay, the guy's not as good as Steph Curry. That's not okay. What are we talking about here? Right. He can pretty easily be a top 50 player of all time. And like Steph Curry was better than you. Now, if the point you want to make is did James Harden do everything possible to make up that gap based on, you know, some of that off four stuff that's arguable. Like you can, like, if, if that's the point you want to make, like, you know, I'll, I'll you know, yeah, sure. It's easy to forget that, oh, that like, you know, Charles Barkley never, yes, Charles Barkley like had was his prime was against Michael Jordan and, and, you know, the best two years of Hakeem Olajuwon's mm. career. You get a mulligan for that? No, but you have to take it into consideration. I mean, obviously you guys are, you guys are New Yorkers. Like, you know, how different do we think of Patrick Ewing mm. if that, if, if he, th- those Jordan Bulls aren't there, mm. you know, it's, it's, and that's, I don't think like, I don't know. He, we, I think we hold it against guys too much but it, for, for, you, for, for misfortune you bring, in their era. You bring that up, and I'll say yeah. it again. I think 90s basketball is better than this new age of basketball. I think the basketball now is – it's ruined. I, I think the three-point, the three-pointer and Steph Curry and, and everybody, all these big men shooting threes, I think it's ruined the game. I really do. You can't put, your, you can't put a finger on a player before they go to the free-throw line. I remember the game – I love the enemies. I love the Chicago Bulls, the – 
the bad news Detroit Pistons and 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 the the Showtime Lakers and even the Lakers of the '90s and and all that other stuff in, in the Orlando Magic. Everybody hated each other. Everybody now all of them want to play together. They want to be son-in-laws, brother-in-laws, uh, you know, godfathers. I mean, the game is it's ridiculous. I mean, you want these guys to hate each other. You want the game to be fun to watch, like hockey, like football. Some of these these teams hate each other, you know? So I just think the game has become more a love fest, more than the game of basketball, what we loved in the 90s, where, you know, this team hated this team, or this team couldn't wait till they played this team in the playoffs. You get a lot of that as a playoff series mm. goes on. This is a hard comparison because we, we do this thing where we, you know, we see a Game 7 on ESPN Classic from like you know like you know 1994 or right. something like that, and we compare that to Cleveland playing in Charlotte mm-hmm. on a Wednesday in February, right. and it's not that's not that's not exactly a fair comparison. It's like yeah, they're playing harder in the one game because of the situation. There probably is something to the players being friendlier just in general because there's been there's more player movement and they've all a lot of players have kind of run into each other since they were 14, 15, 16, so. I don't think that means you can't compete to the max against these guys. I don't think you can watch these playoff series and say, these guys aren't going all out against each other. You can't watch these playoff series and see that they're not getting testy with each, with each other over the, over the course of the series. Like it starts, you know, big hug, big handshake game one mm. by game six, they're, you know, hip checking and hip tossing each other on the free throw line. Cause there's just been so many little nasty jabs and pokes and stuff like that. Mm. So I, I, I I hear that criticism a lot, and I, I understand where people are coming from. I think it's, I, I think there's a little bit of of misremembering of you know what like what a Wednesday night game looked like in nineteen like a Wednesday night in in February game looked like in nineteen ninety four. Right. Because because those are you know we've forgotten those because they're forgettable. Because you know it's and that that may be a pro that may be a problem as much with you know the eighty two game season being too many. There, and and everyone having realized it more fully now, like teams don't teams operate that way, players operate that way. At, you know, at, you know the announcers sometimes like, yeah, this game was whatever, um, which probably isn't good, but that's a that's a whole other discussion because everyone's being judged on how they do in the playoffs. So we get to the playoffs healthy is almost more important than you know, can we get fifty seven instead of fifty five wins? Before we let you go. Because uh, I know we're we keeping you on a long time, and we really appreciate you joining us yeah. and giving us the time. I know you're hanging out with your family, getting ready for the uh, uh, the NBA. Uh, what are they pre preseason over there? Or whatever summer, summer league, summer in league, yeah, summer get, league. Get, getting our getting our first look at uh, at the the guys who were just drafted. I, I'm um, sure you're excited about that. You get to see some of your buddies, and you get to see some of the the young players uh, playing in the games. I, even though I'm doing a favor for a guy that I can't stand tonight, uh, he wants to he wants you to tell. Tell the fans what you thought about the Celtics and the Brogdon move. Did what 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 did you like that move and what was so like what did you like about that move? So what I liked about that move is Boston got a player win healthy who's who's very who is a very good offensive player, very versatile offensive player who who can fit in any a number of roles. Um they got they did that giving up basically nothing from their playoff playing rotation. So that's that's the good part. The the downside is is he part of the reason why he was available at, at a relatively low exchange was he's been hurt a ton the last couple of years. Um and and it, you know 
he makes the low twenties and and plays fifty games, and that's not a great mix. Um, so I, so I, so that's a that's a worry. Um, I was frankly surprised that they had to include a first rounder to get it done. Mm. Um, it's been like Brogdon has been available from Indiana for since the trade deadline, and it, like it was a nice job by Indiana to without I don't think much leverage in the situation right. get a first round pick out of it instead of I I kind of thought that like. Uh, two seconds or something like that would get it done. Um, but at the same time, when you're in the situation where the Celtics are and likely will continue to be over the next number of years, you know, the 28th pick in the draft is a little bit whatever. Mm. So it is a good, low cost, high, medium high upside gamble for a team that, like, frankly, was was one guy short, I think, in the finals. Nice. They needed one more, one more creator, one more shooter one more, you know, one more ball handler and, you know, healthy Malcolm Brogdon can do all those things. Mm, interesting. It's very interesting. Well, we really appreciate you, man, and, and giving us all that time. And yeah. we definitely would love to get you on again, as always. Uh, we really, we really loved your take. And, and by the way, I, we definitely got to read your book. Maybe uh, where can we, where can the fans find your book? Uh, so it's uh, it's available um, uh, wherever books are sold online. The paperback is going to come out uh, right around the start of next season. Um, mm-hmm. It's available on audiobook um, from then you know Spotify and and all the all the places where you get your audiobooks. Um, it's, it's hard. It's been so long since I, it came out. To, it came out like nine months ago, so I'm I'm rusty in terms of pitching it. Uh, but you know it, it's you know the the, the normal uh, online online. Uh, places where i would you know i would recommend uh, if people want to get it get it through bookshop.org uh, support your local bookseller um so check it out there uh, i just want to ask i was on one more quick thing before you go i forgot uh, um anchorage man that nickname how did you get that uh i'm so i'm originally from anchorage alaska oh wow okay yeah uh, but and, and so it's so, sort of something i picked up when i got hired by the bucks the uh local paper did like a did a story uh, anchorage man turns hobby into career <laughs> and i heard uh because my wife actually worked for the the uh the, the newspaper at the time i heard that the editor of the paper was furious at that headline because it's like we look like the damn onion like cause, you know, <laughs> so uh so i kind of uh, just adopted the, the, that just as so my, uh, just my so just so you know i'm listening to jeff i'm buying the book hates brunson move love brogdon move he didn't say he loved the he didn't say he hated the brunson move and he didn't say he loved the brogdon move all he said is that brogdon when healthy is a good offensive piece so I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Now you're taking words out of his mouth because that's what Jeff does. That's what he does. He Because it's a Celtic and it's a Boston team. This guy's got his fingers so far up his you-know-what, he'd be spitting it out of his mouth. Is, is this the part where you get where you disinvite me from coming back on it when I say I, I grew up a Boston sports fan? Because, <laughs> my, dad, because my dad is from Framingham. Now he really loves you. <laughs> now he really loves you. Well, no, I, I, I found I, Jeff's I, favorite guest of all time. Yeah. No, you, I'm not a fan anymore. You work, you work in, yes, you work in sports. Like your fandom gets dead very fast. It's it's crazy because being doing radio for nine years now, I would say the same. I'm I'm a New York fan for my teams, but slowly but surely, I'm like everybody thinks that I I, love, I I talk nothing but bad most of my most of the time. Now I get excited when I like the moves for some of the teams do, and then when they fall apart, these guys they hand me over. Oh, you said this. That's what sports radio is all about, boys. You make you you make your 
you know, assumptions during the show, it's not always right. But when I'm wrong, these guys nitpick it and attack it and, you know, and it's, it's, it's hilarious. But I guess that's what radio is. I don't think they get it, but I got it. You got it. We all got it. But thank you, man. We really appreciate you. Uh, tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Uh, just uh, at Seth Partnow on Twitter. On a road trip, I've been a little dark, but I'll be I'll be tweeting some things I see from Summer League. Uh, and I can say that coming out uh, next week is the often eagerly anticipated uh, player tier. As some of your listeners, if they are New Yorkers, might know, got me in some hot water last year for not including one Rowan Barrett Jr. in the top <laughs> 125 players in the league last year. Um Will he make it this year? You'll have to check it out. Mm, interesting. I think RJ had a really good year this year, and I think he's up and coming. We'll see what his transition this year. 20 points this year. He went every year since he's been in a league. He's gotten better. I want to see 24-25 this year. If I could see that, then we're, then we're, we're cooking on something. So. I want if, if I were you, I'd want to see eight free throws a game. Mm. If he's shooting eight free throws a night, he's made some of the changes to his game that that, that – he, he needed to, to to become the player that the Knicks fans want to see. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. We really appreciate you, Seth. Thanks for having me on, guys. Enjoy this. Absolutely. Seth Partnow, very, very nice guy. Knows his stuff, knows his basketball, and uh, now probably a fan of the show. So when he's he's traveling, he'll be listening to our crazy show and, and it being entertained with our crazy guests and crazy fans and us being crazy as always. So – Seth Part now. Anchorage Man. <laughs> Anchorage Man. That's right. I love the Anchorman. Have you seen the Anchorman? You ever seen the yes, Anchorman? Yes, I have. I like that. Uh, Will Farrell. Uh-huh. You know, I saw Anchors, Anchorman 2 for the first time over yeah, the Yeah, I didn't weekend. like that one as much. I didn't like it either. Yeah. I, yeah, I like Will Farrell. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really, really like Will Farrell. But I, I, for, and Brittany hates Will Farrell. Absolutely despises him. But I. I I love his movies. I watched Anchorman 1. I liked it. Anchorman 2 was... Uh, yeah, I wasn't as crazy. About I, I, it was very dry. Yeah. It was more dry. I didn't think it was very, very funny, but I guess that, you know, his humor is is is, is definitely something that you you have to be interested in watching and, 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 and to being entertained by his... Uh, you know, his movies. Yeah, but. yeah. At least, uh, I, I agree, man. I just love all the concepts <laughs> that they bring up. I just thought old movie. And yeah, you're right. I think it too, it definitely did get dry. Two very good guests. Thank you to Seth yes. for joining us. Oh, uh, yeah. Brian as well. Brian Pena, who's very, very nice. Uh, knows his stuff. And uh, hopefully we get them on very, very soon. Uh, both guys and I. And I'll, I'll definitely check out Seth and I'll keep in touch with Seth because I think... A uh, very ent- interesting guy, and he's and I didn't even know where he worked the front office with the Bucks. Did you? I had to find out on his Twitter. He said it was former Bucks ops, uh, basketball ops. Uh, uh, you listen to Jeff. Uh, Seth Part now is an all-time guest. You yes, know, I figured he. I just said because Jeff, he's a Jeff's Boston your favorite guest. Because he's a Boston guy. That's the only reason why. But yeah, it, it leaves. It just shows you how big of a homer you know Jeff is. And I don't care what he says. Oh, I talk bad about my teams all the time. Yeah, okay, you. Can't Kiss your teams, you know what. That's what you do. It's, it's what you always do, dude. So I, I don't care what you say. And when, when the Yankees are – I don't hear him saying anything bad about the Yankees this year because the Yankees are just killing the opposition. That's what they're doing. Yeah. I don't hear him anything. I don't hear nothing. Last year, it was all fun and jokes with the Yankees. Everything was Yankees this. Look at Boston. They're in fifth place. The Yankees are 30 games over 500. I don't hear I – don't, I don't hear this guy yapping his big mouth anymore. You know why? Because he's a homer. And that's that's what he does. He he opens his big you 
know what, his big trap. And when a teams that I root for or something like that, which I don't even root for the way he roots for his teams, he, he's like, he's jumping for joy. As like, might as well give him a trophy already before they even want it. Look, we're gonna we're gonna deal with another another championship parade. Yeah, uh, great parade by the way. <laughs> yeah, they came uh, short. Yes, yeah, uh, Seth on his Twitter it does say uh, director of basketball research formerly with him. the Bucks. Uh, yeah, a big analytics guy. That's why I find it funny. He was also laughing when you were saying all the stuff about the jinxes with the Kardashians and stuff too. Like, but he's part, right. part of him wanted to mock the Kardashians. Part of like, no, this, no, this is an analytics thing. He can't. He can't do that because you know. <laughs> He's got to deal with these players. He sees these players, and he doesn't want to throw himself under the bus. Which I understand. Right. I don't have to deal with the players, so I can say whatever <laughs> the hell I want. And I could care less what the Kardashians think of me, or you know, the players think of me either. But he's around those players every single, you know, every single month, every single year. I, I don't want to get him into trouble, but I'm sure he's thinking the way I was thinking. Oh, sure. No, I think he was laughing because he wanted to like laugh with you on that, and then his analytic brain is like saying, "No, no, don't, don't fall for jinxes." <laughs> Well, we're going to finish up with some football and baseball before our show's over. Um, the Yankees, there were stories coming out uh, this, but it's been this has been talked about since the beginning of the season that the Yankees are interested in making another trade for an outfielder. Right. Uh, Andrew Benatendi is the guy that everybody keeps talking about. Uh, here's the thing: I think Andrew Benatendi, when he was a Red Sox, his, his first couple of years, he was a pretty good offensive player. This year, he started the season very strong. He's kind of fallen off a little bit this year. He's a great defensive player. He really is. I think he fits very well in the outfield. He really does. The only thing that bothers me about this is, are they trying to add Andrew Benatendi because they, they feel they're going to lose Aaron Judge in the offseason? That's that's where I'm looking at. Because they don't need any extra outfielders. Their outfield is pretty much stacked. They still have Joey Gallo. Unless they're trading Joey Gallo away. He's a gold glove winner out in the outfield. Two years in a row. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have Aaron Judge. They have John Carlos Stanton, who's played in the outfield numerous amount of games this year. And they have Aaron Hicks, who's actually 100% healthy. So why would they bring in Andrew Benatendi? Now, if they bring in Andrew Benatendi, they obviously are thinking about moving Joey Gallo. But if they don't move Joey Gallo, why are they adding another outfielder? It doesn't make any sense. I think a lot of the reason has to do with two things, one of which Aaron Hicks's struggles offensively this year have kind of been an issue that the Yankees haven't had, haven't had to deal with since he's come to the team. Now, he obviously had to deal with the injuries with Aaron Hicks, but also Giancarlo Stanton trying to maintain it the whole year with the injuries, too. They don't want having to, have to play the outfield as much. And as a result of those two things, somebody like Ben Intendi is kind of an ideal guy that they're looking at. Now, he wasn't the only one listed this article from uh, MLBTradeRumors.com. Come listed a couple others too. Two guys on the Orioles, Mancini and uh, Anthony Santana, that have both had good years hitting as well. Uh, also, mm -hmm. Tyler Naquin from the Reds, mm -hmm. Romo Mariano, another one from Oakland. But it's a very it's, good defensive. It's Andrew Benatendi. That's Benatendi is the best one of that bunch, and that's why he's the main incentive right now. And well, what are they, they going to give up for him? That's yeah, the question. I, I, again, it's not. I, it's not going to be a lot because he's not a, a heavy power guy. He only has three home runs this year, thirty-one RBIs. So again, you have a, a guy that's a three fourteen hitter, so it's still going to be valuable in some facet. I I don't think you have to give up any big prospects, though. It's, it's 380 on base percentage is okay. It's it's serviceable, and it's something they're that bringing the him in because name. of his defense. They're bringing him in because of his defense. Won a Gold Glove last year. Uh -huh. Again, like I was saying at the beginning of the show, I mean, I would imagine him and Aaron Judge would probably switch off a lot in center field because both of them kind of just started that, where they were mainly corner outfielders the rest of their for their careers, which are pro which I think are similar lengths too. They, yeah, they both came up. It's only going to pay Aaron Judge more money. 
because being that Aaron Judge has proven that he can play center field, it, it just makes him – first of all, I think it's the second most important defensive position in, in all of baseball. You talk about shortstop, you want to say catcher, and then you say center field. Center field, you have to cover more grounds. So the fact that Aaron Judge can play center field in multiple positions in the outfield, and he's a power hit, and he hits for average and all that other stuff, is only going to make him more money. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, and I also think, too, I think mostly the insurance policy aspect of it, too. Aaron Judge, whether the Yankees sign him or not, is still going to have that injury flag on him. Unless, he, again, unless he starts staying healthy all of a sudden multiple years in a row, which we haven't seen yet in his career. Now, if he does it this year, maybe there's less of a concern. But also Giancarlo Stanton. Also still these other outfielders, the veterans that they have. So I still think it's good to have somebody that's a younger, more controllable guy to help out with that. And he brings a different kind of hitter to the Yankees where... Joey Gallo is kind of obviously struggling badly this year, but when he's at his peak, he's still kind of what you they already have. You can hit better than him, him in the box. No, I couldn't. But yeah, you can. No, I can't. <laughs> don't, don't push it. He's but, batting 160. Yeah. I mean, how bad could you be if you're batting 160 in a box and you're a professional baseball player? But still, like, Ben Intendi is kind of the opposite of those other types of bigger power hitters that the Yankees have. So I think it's a better piece in terms of something different that brings more variety and versatility to that, to that lineup in terms of a different type of hitter. And again, because he only has three home runs right now, you're not going to have to trade much for him, I would imagine. The Royals have a very new front office. I think that kind of thing is going to be a big test for a new GM. So Brian Cashman can, can fleece him very easily. It's very interesting when you see where the Yankees are and the position that they're in. Being that they're, I think they're fifty-eight and twenty-three. I think that's what the record is for the Yankees. So they're they're in position right now where they could wait to the trade deadline, which is I would say about four or five weeks away. They're, yeah, they're at the end in of the a, month, July thirty-first. Yeah, yeah, so they're not in a rush to make a move where they're going to add another bat to that lineup. I think they could use another bat in the lineup, especially a guy that can hit for average, uh, where you can m- move him into different parts of that. Uh, you know that lineup where if he's hitting, he's batting three fourteen, and you got to put a uh, you know a guy that can hit for average in between some of the power, you know, in in the power of the lineup where you could put him at two, you could put him at four or, or five or wherever they they want to put him. They could put him there, and he can hit for average. He can he knock some runs in. Right now, he's playing on a team. I think he plays for Kansas City. If yep. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, they're no, not a good offensive team, no, no, and they're, they're horrible. Their lineup is horrible. So. Uh, anyways, uh, by the way, Mr. Anchorman says that was really fun. Yes, so, yes. Happy to have him on. Oh, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, and he really liked joining us, and, and I'm sure he'll be listening to us when he's driving. You know, he's he's traveling the way he is because he, he's a big sports fan, as you can see, and he he's a Boston fan, even though he says he's not a Boston fan anymore. Well, yeah, no, you have to be objective working in the Bucks front office and now writing a book. You've got to be objective no matter what yeah. when you're doing sports. But especially, like, you're, you're directly in there, too. You can't all of a sudden, all right, oh, I'm a Celtics fan. I'm going to go sabotage the Bucks front office. No, but <laughs> again, when you're a fan, you, you have to understand when, when you're, you, you're working for a team or you're – even when you're working, like, for instance, we're doing New York. We're on a New York radio station on 103.9. We have to talk New York sports because that's who's listening to us. But just because we're talking about New York sports doesn't mean that we're going to talk all good things about New York sports. Because really, there's a lot to talk about with New York baseball. It's fun right now. Oh, Both yeah. New York teams are winning. Great. But uh, as far as the other sports, I mean – the, the Knicks and the, the the Nets have been nothing but laughing stocks. They really have. Right. The Jets and the Giants were horrible last year. Mm-hmm. They just were. 
I mean, hopefully they're better this year. No, they're, 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 they've been horrible the last five years. I actually saw a stat on Twitter. The five, last five years, they were literally tied with 59 losses, and they're both tied for the most in the NFL. And then the Islanders and the Islanders and Rangers. The Islanders were good for the last two years. Well, for the last five years, they've fallen off, and the Rangers made it to the playoffs, and they went to the the uh, Eastern Conference Championship. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully we see good hockey coming up. For So who do we have? Do we have Jeff again? Yes, we have Jeff. Oh, how wonderful. What's up? Hello, Errol. Hey, Anchorage man. What an all-time guest. Mm, what figures. an all-timer. Figures. What a good dude. Mm. But uh, Ben in the chat was talking about Oregon maybe wanting to immediately move to the uh, to the Big Ten. Wow. And since I know Speedy is a great branding guy, comes up with plenty of hashtags, plenty of crazy stuff, what would you think if the Big 12 and the Pac-12 merged – and changed their conference name, greatest branding opportunity of all time, and we just called it Biggie and Pac. <laughs> yes. Biggie and Pac. Oh, uh, Errol's a hip-hop guy. I'm East sure Coast, he'd be out involved. Yeah. Right? I mean, think right? about you it. Think they're dead, but they're coming back to life. Well, if you think about it, I mean, at this rate, the way conference expansions are, there might not it might not be as geographical. Who was the one that we had on on the show, and we, we were talking about conferences and how they he believed that eventually – College sports is going to be put into two conferences, and that's it. Yeah, you're right. Who was, I'm who trying was to that? remember. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember the concept you were thinking of. And since then, I, I believe, whoever, we, whoever that was, I believe he him now. He believed that the, way that the be. SEC and the Big Ten or something like that, the Pac-12, he says eventually it's going to be – it's going to be two conferences, and then all the teams are going. To, some of the teams are going to be in that conference. Some of the teams are going to be in that conference for D one, and that's it. In theory, you'd be like, "Oh, that would work," but it doesn't kind of work. I think the most you can go to is like four, hmm. right? Because if if you just have two conferences, there's sixty something like really actual schools that play. I'm not talking about like UAB or Troy. Or any of the people that don't also, there are 60 power five schools, or are you including like the good group of fives? Right, right. But the good group of fives matter. Well, we you just saw Cincinnati, right. UCF could have done it a yes. year, you know, a few years back. Th- those schools will all still count and all still will want to play. You know, Wofford won't matter. Right. Right. But like the most you can get to is like four. Because otherwise, if you just have two and you're gonna have 40 schools in each conference, right? Uh, the, you, you won't play everyone on the – your schedules will be all screwed up. There will be too many teams. They're barely getting away with it now in the SEC with the, the cross-scheduling between the East and the West. So yeah. any more expansion from that, it becomes – Ridiculous. Well, there was already talk that I think the ACC is already getting rid of their divisions anyway, and it may there is talk as well with the new teams in the Big Ten that they're considering it as well. Right, but that those are going to be the four, right? You're going to have some amalgamation of Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, whatever those look yeah. that looks like, and the American Conference and the ACC will actually have to probably melt into something. Right, yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of those other fallbacks are because the AA, the American already is already going to have those teams moving into the Big Twelve as well, so they're going to have a fallback, and I would imagine they're not going to be the other same level of powerhouses of like the outside conferences as what Cincinnati has been and uh, UCF, what they were uh, three, four years ago to that level where they will find that kind of thing in other conference expansions. We'll have to see, but yeah, that is interesting. If Oregon is the next domino to fall, because 
I was mentioning last week we were talking about this. They're probably the only other like big time football thing in the in the Pac-12 in terms of the well, NIL. Well, there's other schools that can kind of compete on some level as well. Like Washington, some years has very good schools, uh, very good teams. Utah does every right now. here and there. Right. You know what about like the low level Big Ten schools? Right. Yeah. Like if. And no disrespect to the New York, New Jersey area. This is Rutgers, yeah. Uh, right. I was going to mention Rutgers. Our team if stink. Rutgers wants a, if, right, but if Rutgers wants a legitimate chance to compete, they'll have to move out of the Big Ten and go to the uh, ACC or something. Well, yeah, that, that right. was, that's been their problem since they got there. They were good in whatever small conference they were in, but that was a small conference. I would love to see New York have a college football team that actually competes, but they don't have anything. New York, even Long Island, even in the city, none of those football teams are even. It's geographical, really. I mean, right. there's just Rutgers. It's just Rutgers. And Rutgers isn't a good football program. They have a lot of good NFL players that come out of their programs, as everybody's because, seen. Because no one cares about football in Jersey. Right. Like, you know, very seriously, uh, you know, this isn't a shot at New York or anything like that. But players from there really aren't any good. All the good players are from Texas, California, Florida, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, you know, like where they take it high school football and college football more seriously. Like, listen, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts. I'd love to see Boston College be good, but they don't have a local market to pluck a ton of kids from. Mm, yeah. And neither does Rutgers. Like, no disrespect to Rutgers football. I know Don Bosco Prep is very good every year, and there's been some good players to come out of there. I know in Nyack, New York, you've had, like, you know, Chandler Jones and some of those people. And, you know, you can, you know, Ray Rice was from there. You right. can find certain players, but overwhelmingly, it's Florida, Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, and they all want to go local and play in front of their families and stuff. And it's, you know, they don't want to go into the cold either. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think Texas had the most followed by Louisiana. If I remember correctly, in terms of like percentage of top recruits it, from not for the schools themselves, just where they were f- growing up playing high school. And that's not, you know, that's no disrespect to Jersey and New York and all that kind of stuff. But you know, they, they just don't take it as serious. You know, like the one cold weather place that kind of takes it serious is like Pennsylvania. Yes. You know, out near Pittsburgh and like that kind of stuff. But all of those kids either go to Ohio State, Michigan, or Pittsburgh. Mm. Right. Uh, ben says Jonathan Taylor is a beast. He came out of New Jersey and went to Wisconsin. Uh, USC and UCLA are already trying to go to Big Ten. Yeah, that, that was the announcement last week. They're going to be there in two years from what it seems again, like. Uh, again, for Ben, this is for Ben. <laughs> you can you can name a couple of guys. I just did Ray Rice, Chandler Jones. There's always going to be a couple of guys, but go up and down the roster of every NFL football team. I guarantee you, ninety percent of them are from the South. Well, yeah, the the every demographic in, in terms of like percentage and overall stats I've seen, Texas is usually number one or, or number two, and then Louisiana and Georgia I think are the next two, and then it varies Florida. each year. Florida, yeah, I think it varies Florida, each Southern year. California, yeah, but again, it, it it's never going to be a primary thing for a higher percentage in New York. New York prioritizes with other sports for sure. Right, just because you can name ten dudes in the NFL that are from that area. And that's, that's great. I'm not knocking the, their talent. Right. That, that essentially marks about 3% of the players. So it's, they don't, they just don't do it as well as the other places in the country. 
Yeah, Ben also says Texas is always number one, and then uh, Jalen Berger and Corey Clement also out of New Jersey. Yeah, that's what we're saying. There's a couple here and there, but the higher percentages, Texas is always going to have usually the most because they're one, a huge state, and two, <laughs> football's like a, a religion for them down there. And then, yeah, like we're saying, Southeast is going to represent the most after that dude, higher populated. Dude, dude, no joke. Like, honestly, you knew I grew up up there. I love high school football and college football and all that. When I first moved to Tampa, Robert Marv was starting to plant high here in Tampa. And I used to go to some of the high school games. Dude, they play in a stadium, like a legitimate stadium. Yeah, I believe. And right after Robert Marv left, the plant high school team that was there had James Wilder Jr., uh, Orson Charles, mm-hmm. uh, and Aaron Murray at quarterback. Uh-huh. And wow. it was ridiculous, the offense that was going on there. And that's three NFL players in the same class on the same team. And that doesn't even count that it was Robert Marv who went to Miami, was the quarterback, broke all of Tebow's records. Then Aaron Murray did. And then the kid after Aaron Murray was Philip Ely, who went to play for Alabama. I remember. Wow. Uh-huh. That's that's a, quite a cycle there, for sure. And Aaron Murray set SEC records at his time, too. Right. And that's one school here. And they're not even the good school. Armwood is the school here. They're crazy. Dude, Lakewood had the Pounceys and uh, Ray Lewis. Wow. Yeah, dude, it's ridiculous. So you can name 10 dudes from New York. I can name 10 dudes in one class that went. Yeah. Uh, Ben also says they also – they don't have other sports for players, though. Most Big Ten schools are multi-school sports. Yeah, I think all of them are. I I don't don't think there's anything that's just football in the Big Ten. I don't think there's anything like that in any any of those power conferences. Yeah, there's like like a Big East basketball Are you guys guys reading about this Baker Mayfield story? Is everybody reading about this? I saw that what Ian Rappaport was saying, that the Seahawks weren't overly super interested. They were never interested in him. They were never Um, interested in him. And now they're saying – listen to this. They're saying that – they're waiting to, to find out what Deshaun Watson's fate is, and they're going after Jimmy Garoppolo. So what's going on with Baker Mayfield? Where is he going? He could he might not play this year. I feel bad what's for the that kid. Way? I feel bad for the kid. He hurt his shoulder. He still had a decent season, even with a hurt shoulder. He had nobody to throw to, and, and he might not even be playing on a football team this year. Nobody's interested in him. I'm not buying it. You're not buying I what? Still, I'm not buying it. That the I had Seahawks? my dude tell me the Seahawks were interested. This might be just a ploy to drive down the price. His, his price is pretty shy anyway. They're not going to get more than a day three pick at this point. Right, but his... It's his, crazy. Right, what people are willing to pay is, like, because people have called, right? We don't... Of course. Nobody thinks people haven't looked in on Baker Mayfield, right? Mm-hmm. Just the price people are willing to pay is completely opposite of what Cleveland is asking. All right, so my question is, the Giants is sitting right there, and I like Daniel Jones. Everybody knows that. But maybe Daniel Jones isn't the guy. Why isn't the Giants reaching out to the Cleveland uh, Browns and saying, you know what, we'll take Baker. We'll give you a third or we'll give you a fourth-round draft pick for next year. We'll take Baker on. We bring Uh, Baker in and let him challenge uh, Daniel Jones. It's dumb business. Why is that? It's stupid business. Because if if you look at – uh, let's just say, no offense, Speedy. Uh, let's just say the Giants are what they have been the last few years, and they stink. Yes, we just okay. we just said that stat: they have fifty nine losses in the last five years. Okay, let, let's. And I'm just going off of that. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. Any Nobody. Giant okay. 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 And they get. Where did they pick this year? Fourth, fifth. They fifth, were fifth, fifth and fifth. seventh. Yeah, fifth yeah. and seventh. Fifth Their and natural seventh. pick was five, though. So let's say they pick in the same position 
at five. Mm-hmm. You're going to get one of the best quarterbacks in, in a recent draft because right. there's a ton of them from Young to Yurkovich to Stroud to Will Levis. To, there's 10 quarterbacks you could take in this draft and no one would blink an eye. And you could have somebody under uh, financial control for five years versus paying Baker Mayfield $30 million a year, which is basically a a cheap quarterback contract now. And you don't know what you're going to get because if you get him, you're probably going to pass on a quarterback because it wouldn't make sense in the draft. It's just bad business all the way around. So people probably aren't going at Baker because they're looking at next year's draft if they're going to be terrible. Mm -hmm. But what? then you have Miami who has Tua and obviously they have a lot of investment. Hawaiian Tebow, they have invested in him. Why don't they make a move for Baker Mayfield? I, I mean, uh, you bring Baker Mayfield. If, if Tua's not having a good season or he can't stay healthy, which he hasn't been healthy since the days come into the league, you got Baker Mayfield, the guy, a, a guy that you could trust who could actually win with the team that they have over there. So Didn't they just go and sign a pretty good backup quarterback, who? though? Who did they? Who did they I, I think they made a move in the offseason and got it back up. They brought what's his name again in uh, from the Indianapolis the, the guy from the Indianapolis. No, Bulls. that was Cleveland Brissett. But Brissett, yeah, that's that right. was Cleveland. I'm trying. I'm trying Cleveland to find out. Brissette. I'm trying to find. I out. thought that they signed a backup. I yeah. thought that was one of Mike McDaniel's first things they, that he did. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see it on their Miami. on their team website. Uh, oh yeah, no, you're no Jeff's right. Teddy Bridgewater is who they brought in. Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Yeah. If you're gambling on bad quarterbacks. It's the same, right? Yeah. And he probably got Bridgewater for less. Cheaper. $16 million a year, probably. Right. Yeah. I think it was so like 16. if you did that, you can't invest another $20 million into a third stringer or, or just say Teddy I forgot about stringer. Teddy Bridgewater. Mm. Yeah, so they invested in that and they've already done it. Mm. <laughs> yes, Doug, they signed Jay Cutler four years ago. We know. I'm just trying and to if, think. And if, and if Tua stinks, you can guarantee Miami's looking at next year's draft. Oh, yeah. Yes, they definitely are. They definitely are. And, and like, they, they, they're drafting a quarterback because, let's face it, he's just Hawaiian Tebow. <laughs> yeah, there could be a lot of teams looking for a quarterback next year. I mean, I mean, but, again, this offseason, it was the offseason for quarterbacks. As much as the last the year after, the year before that. was this, uh, Baker Mayfield, I'm very surprised. Now, here's another team, Carolina, that's looking. Why isn't Carolina making a move for this? I mean. Why, why would any of these teams want to improve, though? Ask, like Carolina, we all know, has no shot. Tampa's going to win that division. Carolina probably wants to be bad to solve their quarterback problem. Maybe. Or the coach, because they know their coach is going to get fired if he doesn't have a good season this year. Right, but that but the GM doesn't need to help the coach. No. It, he's probably already got one foot out the door, and they're probably keeping him going, hey, you suck, so we'll keep you, so we suck, and we'll get – uh, who cares? Bryce Young, name a quarterback. Right. It's possible, but also who who says the GM and the coach aren't attached to the hip type thing too? Because they brought in a new GM right there with Rule. I mean, right. well, that's the that's the risk you take. But don't right. you think Seattle, Carolina, sorry, Speedy, the Giants—they're all doing the same thing. The Giants' schedule—we talked about this. The Giants' schedule is very winnable schedule this year. It the Giants—the Giants could win seven games this year. I don't see the Giants being a top five pick this year. They could be a top ten, but I don't see a top five. I, I, I think Seattle, Seattle probably. I mean, they have who? Drew Locke throwing the ball? <laughs> Drew Locke and Geno Smith. I, I mean, the Cowboys could be bad this year. I mean, they could be bad. Right, they play a similar so schedule. It doesn't hey, matter. Yeah. They, they, have, they lost offensive linemen. They have nobody protecting their quarterback. I, you know, I talked to the Beef this weekend, and he says, hey, listen. Well, he says, 
Dak Prescott looks – he's in the best shape of his career. I think that's great. He'll be running for dear life because he has no offensive lineman protecting him. Jordan Davis. And <laughs> of course. I mean, I, I mean, if you look at the, the <laughs> NFC, there's going to be a lot of bad teams. There'll be a lot. Yeah, the Jordan Davis will be in the Giants' backfield plenty, too. The Giants are starting a converted guard to center, too, so they're not even a pure center matching up against him. Yeah, but that's an easy transition, though, Speedy. Well, yeah, one could hope. We'll see. The Giants haven't had a good center in a long time. But, but I mean, there's going to be a lot of bad teams. So you think a lot of these teams are like, man, we, we suck. So let's try to get to the top of the draft. Seattle. I mean, Washington made upgrades this year. I think Washington. Yeah, I, I can't see them being top five. Back. No, I don't think so either. Minnesota. You know, I like Minnesota. I think you like Minnesota this year. This this year? year? I think they're going to be good. New coach, new scheme. I like. I think I like the coach. I think it's perfect for what they need because they, hey, they have so much talent on offense, sucking an old identity. I think Minnesota's going to stink this year. Hey, here's here's a wild stat for you. Uh, Speedy might know because he's a nerd and he pays attention to this stuff. Uh, do you know who has the most expensive offense as a unit in the entire league? The most expensive offense? Yeah. Who, spent, who has the highest paid offense in the entire league? From the line to the quarterbacks to the receivers, the entire offensive unit. Vegas? I will guess the Browns. False. Vegas? Nope. Wow. Not even close. Think of who you think is the shittiest goddamn team in the Houston. league. Houston. And that's who it is. Houston? The Detroit Lions. Wow. No, I wouldn't have thought that. And you know what? I think Detroit's going to have a better season this year. I think they're going to be fun to watch. I, I really do. I, I, I was very impressed with them at the, at the end of the season. The last four games, were they were very, very close and very fun to watch. And I think they have a very good coach. So I, I, I think... MCDC. Yeah. I, I, think that, I think they're up and coming. I think Detroit... I like their draft, too. They had a very good draft. They really did. They moved up. They got Williams... They, and and they got one of the best defensive players in the draft in Hutchinson. So we'll see how he develops. But 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 there's a, but what are the teams that are going to need quarterbacks that are going to suck? Atlanta. I mean, it's easy to say Atlanta, Seattle, Carolina, Carolina, Detroit maybe, might if Jared Goff. I actually yeah. like Mariota. Yeah. Jared Goff. I mean Detroit possibly. Um, Minnesota, because that one-year contract, they have one year on. One year, yeah. Yeah, one-year contract, so Minnesota's going to be looking for right, a quarterback. But, uh, is the Saints, be bad enough I don't think so. To... No, I don't think so. The Saints. I, yeah, I, the Saints. I, but they have a good team. They yeah, good team yeah they're up. another one that's not going to be that high. Seattle. Yeah, definitely. Um, right. Those are the suspects, though, right? Carolina, Seattle. Maybe Tennessee. Terrible Tennessee. I mean, they're going to they're, they're gonna be looking for a quarterback, and I think they might have a bad season. They lost a lot in the offseason. They don't ever throw the ball, so it doesn't matter. Derrick Henry <laughs> will have seventeen thousand yards this season. Miami, Miami. I'm, I'm just going through the team. Jackson, no, bad. not Jacksonville. Indianapolis. I mean, because Matt Ryan, he's getting old. I mean, he's an old. Yeah, that's possible. Going to be one of the top teams in the league. Yeah, Houston. It's a hit or miss. They might. If Houston top definitely three. should consider it. Right, if but, top the, three. but those yeah. are like the four. Those are the four. Right. If yes. I had to guess four teams that are going to be maybe Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, if he doesn't sign, it's possible. But right, again, they, same thing gonna, as we were saying. They're with the not going to be the It's probably the Giants, Seattle, Houston, and Carolina. So, like those would be the four to me that would be like towards the top of the draft. That'll probably be bad and looking for a quarterback. Yeah, because I, I again with the schedule the way the Giants the Giants are not going to be a bottom five team. They're not. They're gonna they're gonna win at least six or seven games with their schedule. They have to. 
they're, they're going to win at least one game against Dallas. They're going to win one game at least against Washington. They're not going to be Philadelphia. But they're, they're, they win that, 11 games if they finally throw it to Kadarius Tony. Jesus, give them the ball. stay healthy. They should win three games out of their division this year, the Giants. Just out way of their more. division. Did you see their schedule? They should win way more than that. No. Let me see their schedule. They always, struggle, the schedule. Against the, they always struggle against the Eagles. They're going to have the NFC North this year. They're going to have they're going to have the AFC South, which is split. Probably we'll see them. Maybe Jacksonville gets better with not Urban Meyer, but yeah. But there's it, one good team in that division. They get to play Atlanta, Carolina, and who's the other shit? No, no, no. It's not it, it, AFC South. It's the Titans, Colts. So those are both kind of uh, good. And then the Jaguars might improve. Yeah, the Titans here. Here's, here's the schedule. Uh, season schedule right here. They got the Titans for the first week. Then they have the Panthers. The Cowboys, the Bears, the Packers, the Ravens, the Jaguars, Seattle, Texan, the Texans, the Lions, the Cowboys, the Commanders, the Eagles, the Commanders, the Vikings, the Colts, the Eagles. Yeah, it's I probably did, about seven. I would say. Wins. I would say seven wins. That's probably. There's fair. nowhere I, they're top five. They're, they're top yeah, five I don't think. I, don't, I think the top five. You have to judge the schedule wise. The the NFC South is definitely going to have probably one of those teams, either Atlanta or Carolina, whoever's worse, because the AFC South is, or NFC South has a brutal schedule. Now the Jets schedule. NFC West and the North, Jets schedule is brutal. I mean, they got the Ravens, the Browns, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Dolphins, the Packers, the Broncos. The Patriots, the Bills, the Patriots, the Bears, mm-hmm. the Vikings, the Bills, the Lions, the Jaguars, the Seattle, and right. Dolphins. I mean, this schedule is brutal. The NFC Lions South is... and Lions in one other game was like layups, though. Yeah, yeah. Lions and there was one game earlier. Lions and Jaguars. Yeah, th- th- yeah. Th- those are the games, the back-to-back games that everybody says. And Seattle. Those right. are the three games. They could win three games in a row, but everything else, I mean, it is, it's a brutal it's schedule. Tough. So you would have to think that the NFC South is probably going to have at least one because AFC North and NFC West is a brutal combo this year because both those divisions are loaded probably outside of the Seahawks. And then the NFC West, Seattle probably is going to lose a lot in their own division too. And I don't think the NFC South, they're not great, but I don't think they're like as bad as people think. So they'll probably lose a lot there too, Seattle. So you have to imagine they're one of the teams. And then the Texans probably are another one that is going to be in that. And if you, well. if you look at the AFC North with the, with the teams with Baltimore, the Bengals, you have all those teams right now over there. I, three of those teams are, I mean, Cleveland with Deshaun. Now we don't know when Deshaun Watson's coming back. If he does come back this year, 2023, you, you don't think he's playing at all this year. He's getting a whole season easily. Really? Too much has been made of this. There are the, the, the league has already said historic suspension. Hmm. So you I'd think be stunned if it's at least not a year? I'd be stunned. They can't. They've already taken enough criticism. Let's just go off of this. They say the baseline is six games, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. They're not giving them the baseline. They're not. Yeah, I've been saying. I've been saying it's probably going to be at least ten, maybe more. At, at least, but with the amount of things that have been said and that have gone on, and the amount of times that they've screwed up in handing out other suspensions. Oh, yeah. I expect them to probably go harder here. Hmm. It, it's so interesting with this and Deshaun Watson fact, thing. Here's the, other, here's the other thing. Do you think Roger Goodell is super pumped up that everyone spit in his face and gave Deshaun Watson uh, $1 million for the season the, the first year? Right. Yeah, no, they, they found some weird, weird loophole with that. 
it's no, it's not a loophole. It's just how contracts are structured. Well, yeah, no, I, that, I was I, I was saying about that about the Isn't Browns last week. Isn't it crazy that yeah. that Deshaun Watson ha- has made more money in his what seven years of playing than any player in NFL history, and he's he missed two seasons. Do you yeah. know that? Mm-hmm. I saw something just, like that. Yeah, it's crazy. So. Yeah, in, in the last, well, he didn't lose any money last year. They no, no, no. Them. But do you know that he's had two of the biggest contracts in NFL history, and he he's missed two seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. And he's bare, he's he's really only played three seasons in his whole career. And he's, I would be I would be stunned if they gave him less than a season. What 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 is the, what's the suspension for you? I think 10, 10 to twelve games. I think that's what he's going to get. I think it'll be more now. Because I was only saying at least twelve. Because he games wasn't or 10 convicted. Games. He wasn't convicted, and 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 that's and that's the way the way they're going to fight, and that's the way the players' union is going to fight this. They're going right, to say but they suspended Zeke and Tom Brady for literally nothing. And that was four games for literally well, nothing. Well, Zeke got in trouble twice or three times. So that second, you know, second time he got. And when they did the investigation, they found out he did nothing. Right, and that's why I think it, when you look at the, the whole Deshaun Watson thing, as much as there's speculations, there's nothing proven, and he has not been convicted in any kind of way for well, anything. Well, but he, so here's the other thing: we all thought that with. Greg Hardy, too. Yep. Oh, well, the girl didn't show up in court, even though he got convicted. The girl didn't show up, and he was he was exonerated, right? Remember all that? And oh, then so man. they gave him uh, three games or whatever they gave him. Yeah, it was horrible. And then, that and then the pictures came out, and he beat that girl bloody, mm. right? Yep. And then, then the league was like, oh, shit, we look terrible. Mm. I don't think that they want that situation again. Yeah. I think they're probably going to come down a little harder. I think they'll come down harder. I think he'll get 10 to 12 games. I can't see them suspending him for a whole season. I can't. And, and if they do suspend him for 10 to 12 games, I mean, I'm hearing Jimmy Garoppolo's name. Why, why not keep Baker Mayfield and let him play for the full season and get as much as you can for him? Uh, that would make the most sense. Why would you bring in another quarterback that you're going to have to pay at least $19, 20000000 well, It just depends on if Baker wants talking. to play, though. Who? Baker in the Browns. No, they're not. Right. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he will play anyway, regardless. It's, it's sad because I feel bad for this kid. You, you know, I, I, I can't stand the Brown fans of what he, they did to him because – to me, the guy put his heart out there on his sleeve. He went out there. He played as hard as he can, practically with one shoulder. He, he couldn't throw. It wasn't his throwing arm, but he couldn't hold the ball. And, and the guy still threw over 3,000 yards, almost 3,000 yards last year, and not being healthy and missing him as many games as he did. And, and, I don't feel bad for him at all. He's an American hero, and this is where Carl and I will unite. He became an American hero as soon as he planted the OU flag at, at, in midfield at Ohio State. American <laughs> hero, immediately. Uh, speaking of college football, uh, Ben also says, Big 12 and talks to add Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington. Wow. That would the, be... Well, hold on. The Pac-12 is going to add who? No, the Big 12 is going to add Arizona, Arizona State, basically half the Pac-12 from what Ben was saying. Utah, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington. I know you just mentioned Oregon, but that yeah, the, the Pac-12 will just be done Dude, at that point. If they don't name this conference Biggie and <laughs> I, know. I will be pissed. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm looking at, and it's so funny, I'm looking at Baker Mayfield's numbers. He actually had pretty good numbers last year, even with our shoulder. 3,000 yards, 17, 17 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, an 83.1 uh, rating. I mean, this is a completion percentage over 60. I mean, that's not bad for a guy that had one arm. How are no teams interested in this guy? Hmm. I, I don't understand it. Because he throws a shit ton of interceptions? 
Well, he threw 13 this year, but he, look who was he and throwing what to. what about the year before? Who was he throing to, Jeff? He, the year before, Jarvis, he had his best season. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. Jarvis Landry. Odell didn't play much, Odell was not on the team, really, that all this year. Yeah. The tight ends are good. The tight ends are good in the running backs. Uh, Jarvis Landry's all right. Fine. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones is probably the next Did he play a lot to this year, Jarvis Landry? Jarvis Landry, I, he only missed, I think, three or four games because of injury, a lot. If, if, if any. But he was he was pretty steadily what he is. But at this point in his career, he's older, and like right. he's not the same player he was. This is this is the one time the argument of, oh, who, who is he playing with it is completely retarded. Dude, he had two of the most dominant running backs, the maybe the best pass-catching running back in the league in Kareem Hunt, one of the best running backs in Nick Chubb. He's got Austin Hooper. As a Didn't Nick Chubb miss a lot of games this year, too? He did. He got hurt this year. I think he he missed, at, yeah, he missed he missed three or four games as well. Yeah, he missed a lot in, this in the middle year. Of the season. But he's had these guys his entire career. His entire career. Forget last year. Shit can it. Just say, oh, messed up situation. Go back to the year before. He was still terrible. Go back to the year before that. Not very Yeah, good. 19 was really bad. That 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 was the peak where you could right. really question him because right. Odell was at his at his, but that was before his injury. He was he was supposed to be really Kareem good. Hunt only played eight games last year. I mean, that's not a lot. I mean, Baker Mayfield. Wait, what about the year before? I, I'm just, last year was a scrap. What, okay, Baker Mayfield, the year before, the year before had his best season. He had his best season. I'm, I'm looking at his numbers right now. Uh, Baker Mayfield had three, almost 4,000 yards the year before, 26 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So not 4,000 yards with that team. With Odell, with Jarvis Landry, with Hooper, with Chubb. Does he have to play for the Monstars to win a game? <laughs> I mean, Jeff, in, in the five in, in, in the four years that he's been in a league, he's, he's three out of the four years, he almost threw over 4,000 yards. Almost. 4,000 is like His worst year was like 2019. Yes. 22 and 21. That's a really bad blemish because they had all those his guys. His first year, he was 27 and 14. His last, the year before, 2020, was his best year. He almost took his team to the, uh, to the Eastern, the, the AFC, AFC Championship. championship. Yeah. 26 touchdowns and eight interceptions. I mean, that was a good year. Look, I defended Baker last you year. You did. I, right, but when you look at his short career as a whole so far, it's not all that impressive. He's had a ton of help and hasn't done a ton with it. What big game has he won? Well, he won a playoff game, didn't he? Yes. He beat the Steelers in a And he almost game. beat Kansas City. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for that trick play. I, I and Rashard Higgins well, being like a football nose short of the end zone in the first half. I mean, they're not exactly lighting the world on fire. they kind of been coming up short. Yeah, Especially but, with the team that they've had, but nineteen, Miles I would Garrett say, 19, yeah, nineteen was the one underwhelming year with that. Eighteen, his first year, they but, were still rebuilding. But Jeff, all he, all it shows you is that if you put him on a good team, you put him on a talented team, he could win. You know what I mean? So, I, and there are teams out there that should they should be looking at big. I I don't understand. He's better than I I I think uh, at least a quarter of the quarter starting quarterbacks on some of these teams. He, he's better than he he's better than Ryan Tannehill. But he has no value when you're talking about getting a quarterback or potentially getting a quarterback under financial control. Look at what teams have done when they've been able to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and look at what teams have what has happened to teams that can't do that. The Cowboys have had a fire sale after highly overpaying Dak, ridiculous contract. You know who's thriving? The Bengals because they're paying uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, a box of Skyline Chili uh, and a few dollars, and they can pay everybody else. Well, right? Like the, they're going to the be fun to watch this show. 
the team control, I think, I think matters more than having Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I just I, I I just feel bad for the kid because I think he deserves a chance to play. I I, I and the Brown fans didn't do him any uh, any um, justice justice to, to doing what they did after the fact. They they went after Deshaun Watson. I like Deshaun. I think when Deshaun's on the field, he, to me, before Deshaun Watson has been out for two years, to me, he was the best quarterback in the league. Uh, it, yeah, it, top five quarterback easily. Uh, but, Not best. Aaron Rodgers still exists. Tom Brady. Still no, exists. but I, I thought the year that he, what he did the year where I thought he was the MVP and he had nobody that he was throwing to, and and his numbers were insane. They were insane uh, on that Houston Texan team. But I mean, let, let me let me ask you. Pretend. Zach Wilson is not a Jet, okay? Mm-hmm. I know that's yep. hard. Yep. Pretend he's not a Jet. Yeah. And you have mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater playing quarterback for you. Yep. And are you signing Baker Mayfield, or someone worse than Teddy, are you signing Baker Mayfield to play for this team long-term, or are you saying, screw it, I want whatever quarterback you like? Me I'll give team? you my answer. It depends on where the Jets are at at the time that they need to do that. If the right Jets now, are right now, this team, no Zach Wilson, this team, no Zach Wilson. Are you getting Baker Mayfield or are you going, oh, you know what? Bryce Young on this team will light it up. I'll wait a year. It, it, does Baker Mayfield take this team to that next level? That's the question. Could he do that? He hasn't taken any team to the next level. What makes you think he could take the Jets to the next level? Well, dude, he was one play away from going to the, the AFC title game. And I mean, didn't. He didn't, but that's not his fault. It was a trick play. That wasn't his fault. Right, but so are you investing in a guy who has been injured with the ribs? It's not because it's not just the shoulder. It's the ribs, yeah. and I realize it's a non-throwing shoulder. But he's been banged up, hasn't thrown for 4,000 yards, or are you looking for, at a dude where you're like, oh, we're going to invest. Uh, uh, what's a reasonable contract? But there's no guarantees about Bryce. Uh, um, uh, Bryce. There's no, no, but there's no guarantees about Baker Mayfield either because he's one hit away from not playing. Yeah. I guess you're right. Same thing with Tua. I mean, right. So are you are you with this Jets team right now? Because you like Garrett Wilson, you like what the defense is doing. You like yeah. there's a lot of positive things happening there. Are you signing Baker Mayfield to a four year contract extension and paying him two hundred million? No, but you or, don't have to do that. You could sign him year to year, man, and 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 see what he could do if he could prove himself. Not, he might, but sign a one year deal this year. You're not you're not getting by every year on a one year no, deal. No, no, because players that. don't like franchise tags as it is. Right. Yeah. You're not doing it. I would sign him. I would sign him a year. See if he could do it. If he could take this team to that next level, I'd give him the extension. Absolutely. There's no guarantees with these quarterbacks, no matter what. We've seen right, this. but there's also no guarantee with Baker. You're absolutely right. But Baker's at least, if you look at his numbers in the four years, he he he's proven that he can uh, he can play. I'm passing on Baker Mayfield. And I'm going for one of the young kids, but then I sign Marcus Mariota as a backup. I realize he's in Atlanta, but I'm just saying a, a traditional backup, a guy who's better. Hey, Teddy Bridgewater, send Teddy Bridgewater. So off. what you're saying send is it's, Rush. it seems like it seems like everybody, the way everybody is talking, that Baker Mayfield's career is over. That's what it sounds like. No, because he'll end up as a backup somewhere. A backup. Dude, if Mitch Trubisky's still playing, Baker Mayfield will be still be playing. No. He's better than Mitch, and I like Mitch. Yeah, that, that's fine. But Chase Daniel has – do you realize Chase <laughs> yeah. Daniel has now made the most money of any quarterback in the history of the league that has, like, started less than five games? Yep. 
he got overpaid <laughs> overpaid by like so many different teams. <laughs> right, so Baker will yeah. still be in the league. You can still get a capable backup in case the rookie doesn't work out. But why would I invest? Because just be reasonable here. Because he's not going to get 50 like Aaron Rodgers is getting. Right. But to sign Baker Mayfield to a, an extension, you're probably looking at 40. Yeah. So am I paying 40 million a year for a questionable player? Or am I going to pay 12 a year to whatever quarterback you like, Will Levis, Young, Stroud, any of them, and I'd still have money for a backup quarterback, and I could still add pieces to the team with at least the chance of... I understand your your way of thinking. It all depends on where they think the team is uh, as far as the future is concerned. So the Jets, you might be right. I I don't know. Because... This could be a breakout year for the Jets, and the Jets could win eight, nine games. And you're saying, oh, the Jets are one, maybe one piece away from being a contender. Now, I don't know what the linebacker, they say the Jets, the weakest part of the Jets, as far as going into the season, looks like their linebacker positions. But Right, but but this is what I was saying. But that's not even a priority position. That's a good thing for the Jets. Right, but this is what I was saying before. You sign Baker and give him 35-40. You're shedding pieces at that point, like yeah. the Dallas had to do when they gave Dak forty, right? Yeah. Where Dallas if you have the twelve-year quarterback, you're adding pieces. You got plenty. Of, hey, come on over. Oh, you don't like Dallas? Nobody does. Come on over to the Jets. <laughs> well, Dallas is screwed. I, I told that to the Beeve. I think Dallas is really screwed. He's so to me, he's not very happy with Dallas. And he did say that Zeke looks good <laughs> and Dak looks healthy. I said Zeke is oh, horrible. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Hey, do you want to know why Zeke looks good? Mm-hmm. Because no one's trying to tackle him right now. <laughs> Snook says, They're practicing in underwear. <laughs> I'm glad he looks good now. Wait till he meets Jordan Davis. <laughs> and of course, it comes back to Jordan Davis. Uh, dude, he's... Uh, he's Jeff, he's I know. Active. He's going to be in the Giants backfield forever, too. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. That dude is a semi-tractor trailer with the handles of a Porsche. Mm. Well, the Giants got themselves a good uh, pass rusher, too. I mean, no, they did, but they still their interior offensive line is still questionable, though. That's what Jordan Davis is going to be going up against. I mean, I heard Kevon Thibodeau has looked pretty damn good. I mean, at the practices is what I've heard. Well, let me, well, let me ask you. I know they're not playing with pads, but they're, they're playing. Well, well, let me ask you, because we're doing this with everyone. Oh, this guy looks good. This guy looks good. Mm-hmm. Right? Has anyone gone, oh, that dude looks terrible? Yes. There's a, there, right. You know, before, before they started uh, really mandatory uh, you know, OTAs, uh, they were talking about uh, what's his name again on the Jets? Not looking good. Um, Garrett, Jermaine Johnson. D- Jermaine Johnson didn't look good when he first when he got on the. Now he's obviously he's gotten better. Yeah. But Garrett Wilson too, he was dropping balls and stuff like that. So you just don't know, man. But uh, that's just here in New York. I, I don't know. I'm not paying right. attention to everything. What's going I'm on? I'm sure the New the York league. media is a lot harsher too than sure, some yeah. of the nationals. Just speaking to Garrett Wilson, and I like Garrett Wilson as a player. That's yeah. fine. Did you see how dumb this kid is? Did yeah. you see him on the IMF podcast? I saw it. What an idiot. <laughs> what a dummy. Snuck's... They all laughed at him for how dumb he was. <laughs> Snuck says uh, Deshaun Watson may Football get... Football players aren't the smartest, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, we know that. <laughs> Snuck says that they may give Deshaun Watson six games per per woman. Uh, Baker Mayfield just got replaced. Why would he want to help the Browns? You'd be surprised what you could see get a man to do for a box of Skyline Chili. My favorite is those chili cupcakes. Yeah, not surprising. Uh, Jesus Christ wait, wait, himself. Chili, uh, Skyline Chili? Trash. 
I would rather drink out of the toilet. In fact, that's where I think they make Skyline Chili, in the toilet. <laughs> Snark says, Chase Daniel, best backup ever. And Zio's great, first of three in 2022. I, I don't know Skyline where... Skyline Chili is Cincinnati's version of prison wine. It's sad prison because wine. I know the Cowboys want to trade Zeke, but they're not going to be able to get rid nope, of that contract. Definitely not. It, it's just impossible to get rid of that contract. And Zeke, maybe Zeke has another two good years left. Maybe he does. I don't know. I mean, I don't, he doesn't. You don't think so, huh? No, he's been terrible for three years now. Well, last year was pretty good. He was good last year, but again, he, nothing he is going to justify the level year. of the contract. By Tony Pollard, I he's, wouldn't say that he played better than. Tony no, he played well last year, but nothing's going to play as well. Dude, to the he, level you, of the he definitely played better than Tony Pollard. He lost his starting job to Tony Pollard until like week ten. Mm. He did. He played fine, but nothing to the level of that contract, and that's to be the problem where. The running, first of all, running backs are very short shelf life as it is. Second of all, guy, teams are looking more for scrimmage types, pa- guys that can catch passes, guys that can be more agile type running backs, which Zeke has never been. Either. The only thing I say that he he didn't do very, he didn't have a lot of touchdowns. Like he had two touchdowns. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Because Tony Pollard for the dude, I'm telling you, go look at the first ten games. Tony Pollard, like Zeke started like the first cut, and he was so bad. They they made Tony Pollard the starter until like week ten. Tony Pollard, but Tony yeah, Pollard, yeah. Tony Pollard didn't have a great season. Tony Pollard didn't have a great second half. He he was good in the first half. He was pretty good because the second half he was hurt and missed games. Yeah, he had no that's touchdowns what, either. Really. He had two he touchdowns. That's it. Yeah, he got hurt and then they had to put Zeke back in and then Zeke started playing well. No, no, no. Zeke 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 had ten rushing touchdowns. Two. Passing touchdowns. I'm sorry, he had ten touchdowns last year. He didn't play. Tony Pollard didn't play better than Zeke. He didn't. He didn't. Tony Pollard way better than Zeke. I don't know about that. I I, I mean, you're looking at Zeke's number. Zeke was better than him last year. He was. And I can't wait to watch Zeke run this year. How's it gonna go without Lyle Collins? How's it gonna go? <laughs> well, that I guess we're really gonna find out if he could run better than Barry Sanders. <laughs> I don't even think that we'll even find out that even if he does run well. If Barry Sanders ran against his offensive line was like a piece of paper, okay? And I told that even his father when he said that. I remember when I brought it up to his father, he looked at him. And he almost dropped his his wine that was in his hand. He says, "Are you serious?" I, I think he because I I the beef. I don't know how much he was watching football at the time. That guy was so elusive you couldn't touch him. He had the worst offensive line, and and, and people still couldn't stop him. It was unbelievable. Probably the best player I've ever seen. Like like best speed elusive guy I've ever seen. I I've seen some good running backs. He he's the greatest running back I've ever seen. I guarantee you before the end of the year, Dallas is trying to make a trade for Anchorage man to play lineman mm-hmm. for him. <laughs> He'll laugh if he heard you say that. That's yeah. what's going to happen. Dallas stinks. They're going to have problems this year because they, they didn't they didn't upgrade anything. The Eagles upgraded. The Giants upgraded. Washington upgraded. And they've gotten worse. Dallas got worse. So Yeah, they're going from first class to coach. Get in the back. I would say the third best team in that division. Uh, that's where I have them. I have yeah. Eagles one, yeah. the Commanders two. I do too. Dallas three, Giants sorry, I, Giants may, four. Maybe, I know. I have the Giants last two. Maybe the Giants have a better. Good. Maybe the Giants have a better record than the Cowboys. Who knows? If Dallas has a lot of injury issues, it's possible. It's going to be harder if both teams are fully healthy, though, because the Giants are still transitioning a lot of things, though. Too Washington could definitely be it too, but they have a lot of injury-prone players as well that are very. 
tough to trust on that field, especially. Jeff, we got to go, man. Hey, this could be a breakout year for Daniel Jones, Stevie. I hope so, because I like Daniel Jones. A healthy Saquon, a healthy dude. The human joystick, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, we have to trust him to stay healthy, too, and Saquon. Uh, if they don't trade him away before Dude, that. It doesn't seem like they're going to do that now. Your offense got better by subtraction. Think about how many less drop passes you oh, have yes. without Evan <laughs> Ingram. Ingram. Yeah, exactly. That is true. Where did he go? Jacksonville. Oh, God. Oh, right. man. Think about how much better you just got. Mm. Right? Mm. Now teach Kenny Galladay to catch a pass. Oh, yeah. That's We're cooking. All. Oh, yeah. Quick. Okay. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Chef. I guess it can't be any worse than last year, but still. All right. I love you, Anchorage, man. <laughs> How wonderful. He's got love. Boston, a.k.a. Jeff from Tampa. Yep. As I expected, Jeff's favorite guest. He is a nice guy. Yeah. Yes. I, I, no, he was very good. Seth is really. That was uh, the first time we had him on the show? Yes. I've seen one of the, our guests have the same background as him. That's how I, I was unsure. But I think it's a default background yeah, for something. But he, he's yeah. a nice guy. He really is. And I was happy to have him on. I didn't even know he worked for the Bucks, you yeah. know, in front of office. Mm-hmm. But basketball research, yeah. Basketball, re- basketball research him. operations, yes. Good for him. So he's been, he's been in depth with basketball for a long yep. time. Good for him. Um, we'll be back on Thursday. Who do we have on Thursday? So Thursday, returning to the show, this guy has been on before 930. We will have Grizzlies play-by-play, radio play-by-play announcer Eric Hasseltine. He was one of your favorites. Yes. A lot of, you talked a lot of old basketball with him. Uh, he'll be on at 930 then. Uh, at 11 p.m. approximately, he's, uh, he's actually traveling into Vegas for the Summer League, too. So it'll be approximately 11. Uh, he's NBA.com commentator and studio analyst Bo Estes. Hmm. How wonderful. So uh, a lot of NBA Yes. Uh, maybe we'll we'll know where Katie goes by maybe. Thursday. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think Kate, this Katie thing is going to happen soon. I, I think within the next week we're going to find out where he goes. You know? Yeah, it seems that way. So, I, I, especially again, the, there's only a select few of trade packages that can be at this point. Because the only the Nets might have to settle at one point. We'll no, they're not going to settle on this. I don't. I don't, this, I don't think they should. Because this is going to make a break. Sean Marks, if if he's going to have a job, they need to make sure that they get. I know. I just... As much back for KD of course. as they can. And it's a player-driven league. It might be hard. I don't think so. It's going to be hard. It's, it's still a guy that's a top five player in the league. You're, 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 wherever he goes, he's going to make that team that much better. So they're going to get a lot back for him. The question is what? Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, the, if Minnesota is going to give up four first-round draft picks, they're going to have to give up a lot more than that for Katie. Katie is so much better than oh, Rudy Gobert. Of course. So, and also judging, is that the exception of the market or the market is another question. The market is open, and teams are going yeah. to they're going to do everything they can to get better. And Katie makes you that much better. So uh, I'm sorry. They're going to get a lot. They're going to get a boatload back for Katie compared to Kyrie Irving. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you to um, – Author of the Mid-Range Theory and the Athletic NBA Analyst, uh, Seth Part, now for joining us. Also, thank you to the 12, uh, a 12-year MLB vet, uh, West Michigan's Whitecaps manager, Brian Pena, for joining us as well. They were great. Uh, fans, thank you. Uh, keep tuning in to us. We will be back on Thursday, 9 p.m. Uh, we are moving our show 7 to 10 starting August. So Probably the second week of August, we're moving our shows 7 to 10. So it gives some of the kids an opportunity to watch a show. It's not a late night where kids are sleeping. And I had, I had a bunch of you know people that I know that the kids are big fans of ours on the Weekend Crunch, and they can't listen to our show uh, you know, during the week because it's too late. 
So uh, we are moving our show 7 to 10. So to give the kids and, uh, and people an opportunity to tune into us a little bit earlier uh, as usual. So that'll be good. Josh says Anchorage Men better than the beef. Yes, Anchorage Men was very good tonight. Absolutely. Um, that's it. We'll be back next. Oh, we'll be back Thursday, not next week. We'll be back Thursday, guys. Talk to you then. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.